Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Basketball is back. I know, we had Monday Night Football last night. Derrick Henry, awesome performance. And we had Major League Baseball playoffs. Another Grand Slam for the Red Sox. Another win. 25 wins through three games. Man, if it's going to get pitching and defense is going to get you through this, man, Houston's going to have to change things up real fast. Very quickly. And add to that little stew a little NBA basketball tonight. Tonight, it's the champs, the Bucks, and the Nets opening up, and then it's the Warriors and Lakers after that. Doubleheader tonight, and then a big schedule tomorrow night, including the Jazz and the Thunder. The Jazz tipping it off at home to get things going. And we're going to hear from Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles later this hour, so stay with us for that coming up right here on The Zone. Right now, though, we're going to start with college football. We're going to start with the guy who made all the headlines, Britton Covey. The great catch, first and goal, the flex. They scored on the next play, so the flex is just a funny footnote. Britain's still answering for it. A lot of people are giving him a hard time. Here's Britton Covey. It's allowing you guys to kind of have that. You know. I think it's, it's just about finally seeing everything come to fruition, you know. Uh, it's equally as frustrating for us as it probably is for anyone that hears about, you know, this player's doing well during fall camp. Oh, this team could be really good, you know. We've got this, you know, these weapons. And then to have it not show itself in the first couple games is frustrating. So finally, when it comes to fruition, it's, it's that idea of, okay, this wasn't just a fluke, you know. Like, for example, Devon Vele, you know, he wasn't just showing out in spring ball. Like, he can do this. And I think that that's kind of what it feels like for the guys. It's like seeing it in person and happen under the lights just confirms everything that we thought. And, and that's that's what gets you going. After the San Diego State game, you kind of mentioned they just needed to get that swagger back. And it seems like that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's all about playing with swagger. I think that good coaches especially know how to just – Almost let your team, let your guys go out there and play with what makes you special, right? It's going to be something different for me as it will be for Devin Lloyd and things like that. But play with what you're given by God. And uh, I don't know, having that swagger, I think that we need to come out with that a little bit more early in the game. Uh, And just... It's it's a personality type of thing. I think that uh, you have guys that bring it as well. You know, guys that are vocal bring it, and I think we need we needed to start earlier though. How much does Cam bring to this? I mean, obviously, it seems like there's a lot of things that happen, right? Like, I don't want to put it all on Cam. Right. But like, what what is it about him and his ability to play that that it's kind of allowed you guys to play free? Yeah. Well, one Cam has some swagger to him, right? He just. I don't think you'll ever catch Cam not smiling, right? I, I don't know if you remember his season-ending injury last year. Literally was on the sideline smiling two seconds after. Like, that's just who he is. And so he's always been that guy through the highs and lows that's there to encourage you. And you'll go to war for someone like that, right? You're, you'll run through a brick wall for someone who is constantly there for you. And I think that's what it is about Cam is he's been there for us through the highs and lows. Um, and then – We just trust him in this offense. I think that he's had the advantage of being in this system for about three years now, right, and understanding all of the ins and outs because it's a pretty complex system, and uh, I think that gives the players and the coaches a little bit of leeway to just let it roll. Any concern at all about now being the hunted instead of the hunter? You guys have been kind of playing from behind for the last month. Now you're the team out in front. Uh, I think the main thing is we still view ourselves as the hunted. So that's that's 
basically the mentality that's going on right now is we still feel like or, or the hunter sorry we still feel like we're being the hunters you know like we don't have our respect because sweet if everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon now where were you two weeks ago kind of thing so it's just, still keep that chip on your shoulder the, the offense seems to have a lot of diversity right now you know a couple of years ago, you were the one that they keyed on every single time. I mean, you got a ton of yards, mm -hmm. but it also put you at risk in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. Right? What's it like to play in this offense where there's just so many different options here that, that you guys are able to play with? Well, those are the best offenses, right? They're the most dangerous offenses because when you can beat people out of three different personnel groups, it really it must take a lot of time to prepare for a team like us, right? I mean, how are you going to prepare for a team that can go four receivers and four tight ends basically in the same drive? Uh, so I think that it gives people something to prepare for. And it's just exciting because, you know, I get as much joy seeing someone like Dalton score as I do myself. All right, there is Britton Covey. Now here's the quarterback. Cam rising. Kind of tried to forget everything that just happened in the first half and just started getting that ball rolling and just didn't look back. That, that sounds easier said than done, though. How do, you, how do you just put away the first 30 minutes of the game and come out in the second half? Um, yeah, sounds easy. We just had to, we just talked about it in the locker room and really made it a focal point that we have to, to play and have some fun out there and make sure that, that we get back and play our style of football. Is having fun kind of at the heart of this success right now, the fact that you guys are having fun, got a little swagger? Is absolutely, that where some absolutely. of the successes come from? Absolutely. It makes it easy when you're out there smiling and not, not just mad all the time. It, it, it can get a little hard in, during those situations, and we've been through a lot of stuff, so, so we got to smile through it. How do you keep this rolling? You guys, a couple of weeks ago, nobody was on the Utah train. Now you're by yourself in first place at the Pac-12 Conference. How do you avoid complacency and keep this thing rolling this week at Oregon State? Um, just knowing that the job's not done and we still have things that we have to accomplish to, to make sure that we get to where we want to be. Is confidence contagious? It took you for a while to come out of your shell. And seeing you come out of your shell and celebrate on the field with your teammates has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, confidence is everything. I think if you don't have confidence in what you're doing, then there's no real reason to be doing what you're doing. It, it, yeah. You've seen a variety of different teams already. I know it's early in the week, but what, what, what stands out so far about what you've seen from Oregon State? Uh, they're a great team. Uh, I've, I've got to, the, the opportunity to watch them a few times on live TV and just looking forward to the challenge. What is it about the, the second half of games where you guys have really turned it on and started clicking, but not really so much in the first half of games, especially the last two? Um, I think that just speaks on, on our on our off-season program and what, what the coaches had us do, making sure that, that we really focus on finishing everything that we do, and, and that's, that's paying dividends doing that. You, you enjoying the attention you're getting right now? Quarterbacks get a lot of attention for good and for bad, but right now it's, it's a lot of good for you, Cam. I'm not really focused on that. I'm focused on just winning football games and being there for my team. That's, that's all I'm really looking, looking at. All right, there's Cam Rising. The Utes quarterback leading them to another win, 3-0. and It's a big game now, 4-2 and Utes versus 4-2 and Oregon State. Utes lead the South at 3-0. and Oregon State's 2-1, and tied with Oregon for the lead in the North. So, big game in the Pac-12 race. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from the Cougars. We're going to hear from Puka Nakua coming up. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! 
It's a Friday night showdown in Logan as Blake Anderson and the Aggies welcome in the Colorado State Rams for a big Mountain West Conference battle. Listen all week long for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6.30. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big game for BYU at Washington State. All kinds of turmoil at Washington State. Nick Rolovich terminated, fired, let go as the head coach of the Washington State Cougars. He didn't get vaccinated. They have a government mandate in Washington for state employees. So he's out. So are several assistant coaches. The defensive coordinator is going to be the interim coach. Whether this is going to bring them together or whether this is going to lead to chaos and make them more beatable, uh, we can all play amateur armchair psychologist, but we're not there and we don't know these guys. So, BYU just knows they need to win. 5-0 and was a great start, but back-to-back losses are taking the bloom off that. Imagine how they'll feel if they lose three in a row. Big game here. Get to 6-2, and snap the streak, beat another Pac-12 school. That's the task at hand for BYU. Puka Nakua, the three big catches downfield. Uh, rare highlights in that, uh, in that Baylor game where there were a lot of struggles. Nakua ended up with just a huge game. Here he is with the media as they prepare for Washington State. We talked to you a little bit after the game about this, but now that you've had kind of a, a weekend to reflect, obviously it wasn't the result that you wanted, but it, it seemed like you had a lot of opportunities to go up and make plays um, this weekend at Baylor. Do you feel like you took advantage of them? I mean, about as, as well as you'd want or could be expected? Because you had, I mean, you had just a lot of big plays out there. Um. Yeah, I definitely, when we take long shots, you want to come down with the touchdowns. So I feel like I could have done a better job of making that guy miss. I got left in one-on-one situations, but we were able to at least complete the ball. And that's the biggest goal is make sure whenever they throw the ball deep is we don't want to have long uh, foul balls. So we were able to get those uh, deep passes, but I feel like I was able to take advantage. And when Jaron threw me the ball, I mean, I know I had a missed uh, a missed one after he came to me back to back. I had one close to the end zone. Um, I had missed and then just some blocking assignments, but I feel like there's definitely room for improvement. As my, I mean, obviously we didn't win, so there's always a lot of room for improvement. So there's definitely a lot of things we got to clean up, but in my part, I, there's still a lot, as much as it was a good game, there's still a lot of, a lot of stuff to clean up. That's for sure. Okay. Let's go with uh, Mitch and then Jay. Luca, this third straight week, uh, you guys will have a, a day game uh, to, to ensure that the energy is up from the team. Do you think you guys might change maybe some things this week or on game day to to get ready and, and, and be dialed in for, for another afternoon tilt? Um. I don't think so. I, I like, I kind of like, I, I like our routine of where we're going into. I think it's a more of a, a in-week, a in-week adjustment that we need to make of making sure we come out and practices and lacks of days of cool that we're not just going through the motions. Um, we're obviously not going to be super physical. We want to keep everybody healthy and stuff, but to bring the intensity and energy that practice needs and deserves in order for us to execute perfectly on Saturdays. Go ahead, Jay. Hey, Puka, what are the best elements, the best things about having a brother on the team this year for you? 
Um, <laughs> it's the best. Uh, we live together, so we spend so much time together. But it's always like a. As much as we grew up together, he sees things so differently coming from his life situations and coming up from Utah and what I learned from the University of Washington. And then us coming together and buying into the same program and uh, being around the same people. He's such a blessing to always compete against and then always have there to, I know he's always got my back and I'm always there for him. So it's, it's been a huge blessing. Uh, it's the coolest thing ever. It's like a movie is like the perfect, uh, the perfect story. <laughs> And you guys have got three sets of brothers on the team, the Romneys and the uh, Barringtons. Have you ever been on a team that's had that many sets of brothers? And what's that kind of dynamic? <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea. And then when we got our new locker room, I'm looking at right across the way and I see Campbell and Clark, right? They're not too far from each other in the locker room. And then we have Baylor and Gunner right next to me and Sam too. So it's like, the, it's so dope. Like I've been for them. It's just, it's such a, it's a brotherhood already in the team and our, in our locker room. And then to have like my actual blood brother, like somebody who, uh, he probably changed my diaper. <laughs> I mean, so it, it's, it's super cool. It makes it so fun. Like the in, interaction and the engagement that we have from all the guys and especially the brothers, obviously is something special. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Puka, this may be kind of a simple question, but there have been people out there who say you as a team, you, you wide receiver core might be the best 50, 50 ball team in the country in terms of just going up and getting the ball. What are the keys to being an effective player when it comes to those 50, 50 balls? Um, just intense focus. That's some of that. Where, I mean, we have some pictures up in our receiver room and that I'm always looking at guys who have played here before who they're there. When you look at the catches of the, the photos that they have up there, it's the guys like their hands are on the ball already, but their face mask is all like dang, they're touching the ball too. It's just an intense focus being able to make sure you watch that thing all the way in. Cause I was thinking of the one I had against number 12 in the game. And then I think about gunners too. It's like gunner had it here across his face and then is able to, come back and bring it back right in front of his face like intense focus to be able to watch that ball all the way in until you know you have complete control of it you obviously play the university of washington washington state is their rival are you looking forward to this game again uh definitely i know some boys out there uh lincoln who just had barely transferred from uh hawaii so it'll be fun uh, it's, uh we gotta come out and prepare for everybody every week but this will be fun out to go to Pullman there is Puka Nakua now here's Ben Bywater Ben you lead the team in tackles I believe you're well over 50 at this point on the season what's kind of been the key to you racking up that many tackles yeah I appreciate that um I'd say the key for me is just I mean, we have a great scheme our our defensive coaches are, are great and our D line uh they chew up all the blocks so it's pretty easy for me to come free but the biggest thing for me was just getting getting big and durable so I've taken a lot of hits this year that I feel like last year I probably would have gotten out or gotten injured but getting putting weight on and getting strong and being durable is something that really helped me get on the field and then I always knew once I was on the field I, I had the ability to do it but it was just putting in the work in the off season and then obviously um, the other players make it happen for me so we've seen you play a lot on the edge in recent games you and Peyton seem to come up and kind of help set the edge there is that kind of a scheme adjustment or is that something you guys had in the books just all season long just you're finally deploying it 
Absolutely. Yeah. So that's something that kind of we've always had. It all depends on what the offense is running. So it uh, depends if we got a three man front or a four man front, you're going to want edge presence. So me and Peyton will, will creep up there. And then whether it's, you know, Chaz or Max back there, just scraping uh, back there and, and making tackles. But that's something we always had. But it, week to week, it'll change up depending on the offensive scheme. OK, we got a question from Jay Drew and then uh, Sean Walker. Hey, Ben, uh, obviously you guys are going a long time before your first buy, do you f- which is, I think, in mid-November. Do you feel like the team is worn down and could really use a buy, or are you guys, you know, typical 22-year-old guys that could run forever? <laughs> I appreciate that, Jay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. It's uh, It's been a lot, you know, tons of weeks without a buy. I'm excited for a buy, but it just comes down to after, after the game, Kalani talked to us just about buying in, being dialed, getting your eight hours of sleep, getting your meals in your calories, obviously lifting. And if you do that stuff consistently and you're pretty dedicated to that, I mean, you can, you can make it by without a bye week, but I think we're all looking forward to November 13th. We love football, obviously, but it'll be good to let the bodies rest up. Thanks, Ben. Hey, go ahead, Sean. Yeah, Ben, just building off uh, a little bit, you, you talked about kind of playing on the edge and setting the edge, and you you kind of seem like a little bit of a natural there, obviously, from your previous position. So a couple of weeks into allegedly moving more into the middle of the park, are you feeling a little bit more comfortable out there, or did it kind of take some time to be like, oh, I'm, I'm not always the guy on the edge. Like, I got to cover the middle of the field now. Yeah, definitely. I So I started at, at Rover at the beginning of the year, and I last year I played Rover. So Rover, what that means is that's your boundary linebacker. You're playing the short end of the field. And I played outside linebacker in high school as well. So I obviously feel comfortable out there. And then when Keenan went down, moving to the middle was something that was a little bit unnatural for me, but I was more than willing to jump in. And I had practiced the mic throughout fall camp and all off season, I'd studied it. So I knew what, and once you kind of know one position, you can kind of jump around and play all of them. But I, I do like being on the edge, obviously in the middle, you can kind of, you can play. It doesn't matter what side they run to. You're always going to be in the action, but playing the edge, holding the edge is something that I feel natural uh, doing. So I did, I, I enjoyed playing Rover um, this, this past game against Baylor. <laughs> Uh, question for Mitch Harper. Yeah, ben, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, when Keenan went down, it caused some some unnatural setups for you guys on the field. He was Keenan was also a, a kind of a leader uh, as a captain of the team who's maybe stepped up, whether you or someone, other guys on the defense that have kind of risen uh, up as, as leaders and, and, and kind of the vocal guys on, on this defense this year now. Yeah. Thank you, Mitch. There's a, uh, obviously with Keenan going down, there's, there's, those are big shoes to fill. I mean, he's been here two, three years and he's always produced. He's physical, strong and fast. So I'd, I'd say one person that stands out to me is Tyler Batty, very, very vocal leader. And he's, he's someone that's always harping on us to be better, to be great and, and do, do what we can. And there's, there's no mixing it up. Just, do what we do at a higher level. Also Peyton coming through with that interception on Saturday was huge in, in a crucial time. So Peyton's always going to be there and he's definitely taken on more of a role as Keenan's went down, but it's, it's everyone stepping up everyone. As long as you're doing your one eleventh and, and making it happen on your side of the field, uh, it's, it's going to work out no matter what. So those are the two people that I would highlight. Kalani, uh, 
you know, earlier with us uh, mentioned you know, physicality. It was kind of a word that he, he brought up quite a bit. Uh, wants to see that this week. Uh, what What is it going to take for you guys to display that that physicality that was kind of the calling card in that uh, you know first five weeks where you guys were undefeated? Absolutely. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. Saturday needed to be more stout, right? I'm not just going to sit here and, and sugarcoat it that we did we did what we needed to do because we didn't. And so, being more stout this week, it, it's a it's a mindset thing. Throwing your body out there and and being prepared and being confident. A lot of times you just get nervous and and it's not something that that you haven't prepared for you just not really prepped right so being more stout and being physical obviously Kalani's going to want us to do that and so saturday we're going to make it happen against um, washington state a question from sean this might uh, just be a, a way to rephrase that last, last answer ben that was a good answer there because because my question was basically just that you you guys have this two-game skid um that this BYU program hasn't seen in almost two years now since the end of the 2019 season what's kind of the morale of the team right now and it sounded like coach Kalani was um I don't know disappointed is fully the right word but we'll, we'll use that one for lack of a better word I mean are you kind of getting that from the coaches and and how disappointed I guess is this team in a losing streak that's become pretty rare the last little while Yeah Sean I I wouldn't say the team is is disappointed or down obviously we're frustrated because we know we can play better and so i'm grateful for mondays right you after a loss like that there's always lessons to learn from you come back on mondays you watch the film and i mean you can sit there point fingers all the time at you know what position group may have done better but at the end of the day a loss is a loss and we could have been better and so you show up monday watch the film see what you can do better and then and then it's on to washington state so i love what kalani said being physical is number one and then number two is just going out and playing our ball like we did the first five games and if we do that i have full faith that we're going to make it happen all right there's ben bywater puganakua before him so you've heard from the cougars you've heard from the utes coming up next it's the jazz donovan mitchell and joe ingles getting ready for tomorrow night's opener with the oklahoma city thunder stay with us we will get to them next it's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz open the NBA season tomorrow night. Tonight, the NBA openers, the world champion Bucks, get to open things up. They're playing the Nets, and that's at uh, 5.30. And then at 8 o'clock tonight, national TV doubleheader, it'll be the Warriors and the Lakers. And then tomorrow night, big schedule, and it's the Jazz and the Thunder, one of, I don't know, 10 or 11 games on the schedule. There'll be a lot of teams playing tomorrow night. So, let's get to the Jazz as they get ready to open the season. They were the number one seed last year, knocked out in the second round. Don't want to say the regular season is unimportant, because obviously you want to play well, win a bunch of games, get yourself good seating, but we all know it's this is the uh, this is not the main course. The playoffs are the main course. This team is established as you can get in the regular season. They have lots to prove in the postseason. But the March starts tomorrow night. 
Here is Donovan Mitchell on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. If you guys are going to, 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 to win at the level that you guys want to win, what's the importance of you making, making uh, that jump? Um, I think it's, you know, I think it's a, it's a big part of, you know, our push, you know, for myself. Um, there's always room to grow and get better. It's no secret. I've, I've said there's things I need to continue to build and work on. So for me, it's not, it's about doing that, making that jump, you know, doing the things necessary. And, you know, it's been the work that I've been putting in from the time uh, we lost until now, but it's also not being too hard on myself because there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, you know, it may start off strong, may start off slow, but at the end of the day, it's just keeping and trusting the work that you put in um, for us to get to that next level. You know, I'm going to have to, you know, like you said, take that jump in and just be ready. I'm ready for it mentally, physically. So now it's got to go out there and, and do it. You know, and I think that's, that's for myself and for my teammates. They trust me. I trust myself. My coaches trust me. So uh, it makes my job easier when you have the support system that I've had since I got here. And um, yeah, I just got to go out there and do it. When you, talk about, when you talk about that jump, what does that look like? Um, there's a few things. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me right now is uh, efficiency. Uh, I think and that's not necessarily saying that from a field goal percentage standpoint. I think just, you know, when I'm on the floor, you know, controlling the game, uh, defensively, offensively, being able to communicate, be vocal, but as well as taking, you know, it's, it's being efficient with shots too. You know, I think that that's a lot of it for me, just becoming the best leader I can be. Um, I think as a whole, my game is, is improved, but there's there's definitely things I, I see, you know, that I can continue to make the jump my teammates have seen and I'm making an effort, you know, a conscious effort to get better at that way. I can be a more all-around player, more all-around leader. Um, not to say that I haven't been, but I think that's – I'm always hard on myself with that type of stuff. So I think that's that's really what it looks like uh, for myself. Is there anyone, like, watching for those things? Hmm? Is there anyone watching? Um – yeah, you know, I look at, you know, and I respect Dame Lillard, you know, um, for for what he's done in, uh, in, in Portland. You know, there's a lot of times, you know, with the teams that he's had, and the stuff that he's been able to do, um, you know, individually as well as collectively, he's never made excuses. Not to say that they've been bad or anything. They made the conference finals and stuff like that, but, you know, he's – he's been able to, he's a guy that I look at, you know, it's like, man, like he's, he's, he's able to make that jump. And that's what, you know, I kind of look at myself being able to make that jump. Dwayne's done it in his career and it's great to have him, you know, I can, I can kind of talk to. And obviously he won a championship in his third year, but you know, for me, those, those are two guys I kind of look at who's been able to just increase and just be great leaders, you know, smart on the ball, smart off the ball, smart defensively, being able to communicate. I think the biggest part is communication, you know, being able to speak and as well as do, uh, I think that's one thing I've really wanted to, to focus on. If I'm going to say we got to play defense, I got to go out there and fucking play defense. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think that's been my, my, my biggest thing is watching those guys. And I really watch a lot of guys throughout the league. Um, I may not say nothing, or I just kind of notice it, you know, and pick things up from an individual player and kind of add it to my own. I guess along the lines of trying to get better, I mean, you still had – you were the top scorer two years ago in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and you had like a 40-point triple-double in the last game. Like, what – I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of things I could name. Um, I think the first and foremost, I think my defense is something that I've, I've honed in on and will continue to hone in on. And like I said, it's not all going to just Wednesday's going to come and it's not, it's going to be like, boom, you know, it's going to, it's going to be building and about taking time and getting through it. But I think for me, um, it's easy to look at the stats and say, you know, what else can you do? There's a lot more, you know, we haven't won. You know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing we can win. You know, we have a group that can win and that wants to win. And it's a matter of doing that, you know, the stats are great and all, but ultimately you're, we're all judged on the end goal, the ring, you know, and I think 
you know, it's, it's great to have those stats and whatever, but we did, we lost in six games, you know, and I think for me, I think just being able to be the best leader, understanding that, you know, we all have that same mindset, go out there and just, just continue to work on my development mentally, physically, uh, whether it's shooting, passing, footwork, defense, like that's really all it, all it comes down to. Cause you know, at the end of the day, you know, I know what I can get to. I know I can get to my stuff. I know what we can get to, but you know, it's how do we do it that much better? How do we do it when we're tired? How are we doing on the third game in four nights? That's, that's the stuff that, you know, you look at on the, on the long road trips in February, March, you know, when the, the dog days really, and that's cause it's easy to do it, you know, early, it's easy to do it when everything's, you know, bright lights, but it's a, cold day in a certain city, you know, and there's only 2,000 people in the crowd, are you still going to have that same, you know, focus and adrenaline, uh, focus, I should say, not adrenaline, focus to uh, go out there and do little things. We were talking about this earlier, so I want to get your take on it. You had a lot of opportunity in your rookie season, right? I mean, not having, there was kind of this open spot at the shooting guard spot. And, I, and I'm curious how you think maybe you would have developed differently or that, you know, your career would have gone differently if, like, there was someone in front of you who allowed you maybe was six man or you know whatever. Right. Um, it's, it's funny. We were. That's funny. You were speaking about that. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. Like, um, you know, my goal. Not, I think I told you guys. My goal when I came here was just to crack the rotation. You know, and like six points and just be a defensive like force. Um, fortunately, you know, you know, God presented an opportunity for me, and I was ready for it. But you know, I don't think. I think it might have been a little different. You know, people. <laughs> Wherever I go, they say, oh, you know, Detroit should have picked you or this should have picked you or whatever. But, like, you know, I don't think I would be who I am. You know, I think I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to be where I'm at because of the situation that I was in. You know, maybe if Gordon stays, what was it, five, five years ago, the situation's different. It's his team, rightfully so. He's an all-star, you know. Um, I think certain guys go down, there's opportunities. And that happens with a lot of things. You look at Tom Brady, for, for example, you know. But for me, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, for that, for that, for what happened. And God, like I said, there was an opportunity there and I, you know, I was able to, to take it. But there are definitely times where I look at like, man, it's, it's just like one little thing that could have happened that changes the trajectory of everything in my, not only my career, but my life. You know what I mean? So I think it's definitely uh, one of those moments where you look back and you're just, just blessed and, and honored to be in a position, but continuing to work, you know, and just being, being ready for every time we play. I don't know if all of that. Quinn, over the last few years, he has been pretty consistent with the Miami rotation. Right now, you can argue maybe Jared, like 10 guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think for us, it's just for him, it's just a matter of one, knowing the place, you know, because at the end of the day, I was the same, I was the same way, you know, didn't know the place. So I was like, all right, just set a screen and I'll figure it out from there. And, and he's talented enough to get to score. So figuring out the plays and it's a lot, you know, to be able to have to do that at a young age and figuring out we have a lot of them. And a lot of our stuff is read-based once he figures that out. And then he's being a little more better defensively. Outside of that, you look what he's done in preseason. He's what he's doing in practice. Like, he's, he's, he's talented and he's ready to go. But, you know, it's going to be a process. You know, like I said, it's, it's really the same with, you know, my own development. My rookie year, I didn't really start out strong and then ended it, you know, phenomenally. The second year, I started out. To, like not that great and continue to push. So it may, it may come out. He may be brilliant, you know, to start the year. He may go to that little rookie wall, you know, but I, the biggest thing I've told him is just be ready. Just be patient, you know, because like I said, he may be in a situation where it's like here, you may be able to go, may be able to, may have to sit for a little bit, like, but just be ready for your opportunity. Uh, and he's like, the, he's, he's great. You know, he's, he's always positive, always happy and then energetic. And it's, it's different when you go from school where you're kind of the guy where you get the ball late to, to come in here where it's, it's not necessarily 
the case because we have guys that handle the ball and do different things. But, you know, I think for him, he'll be ready with whatever role he has. And I think he'll, he'll make an impact for sure. Him and Trent, you know, have been ph- phenomenal uh, since they both got here. So it'll be good. You came across the middle, right to left, and you kind of stepped back in the lane, hit like a, mm-hmm. a it looked new. Mm-hmm. Like, was that something new? And then if it is, when, how do you know when something that you worked on is ready or how does you go about that process? Um, I think, well, yes, it is, it is new. Um, I think for me, just because it happened once doesn't mean I've got it. You know, I think that's where a lot of players kind of fall into that trap where it's like, oh, I did it once, I got it, I have to work on it again. You know, um, like I, or, I know you've seen it, I work them off the dribble threes every day just because I shoot a high percentage of them doesn't mean I got it. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if I do it once. So for me, it's one, can I replicate the move? Because sometimes I do stuff that I'm like, oh, shoot, like I just did it. You know what I mean? But there's, there's times where you continue to work on it, getting your balance, getting your footwork right, like I was talking about before. Like those are the, the levels that I'm trying to, you know, get to to be the player that I want to be at the end of the day. Um, and a move like that, you know, it's all about footwork, all about positioning and getting your balance right. And those come with stuff you do in the weight room. Like that move doesn't just happen on the floor. It happens with your footwork. It happens with the stuff to do in the weight room, you know, being able to have balance to take that shot. Like those are, those are the things that I continuously work on to try and better myself. But just because I hit it once doesn't mean like I, I got it figured out and I'm, I'm really routine based. I'm doing those pretty much every day. Did you have a relationship with Irv Rowan before he came here? Yeah. Um, I've known Irv. Man. five years, one of my, my five years or so. Um, he was the assistant over in, in Houston when I, maybe it was Phoenix when I met him or Houston. Um, and, you know, he's, he's been around, he's worked guys out like myself. He's worked me out before he's worked Trey out, Trey Young, Kyrie Irving, like all the guys, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. So um, he's great. You know, he's, he's a great basketball mind, knows how to develop players, but also, you know, he's getting into coaching, you know, and he's not getting into coaching, but he's, he's been a coach. He understands certain, certain things, but also here it's different here. You know, we're more system-based and it's different than when he was in Houston, different when he was in Phoenix. So it's a, I'm glad to have him on staff. I think we all are. He's, he's been great, you know, working on myself, me, a Jerry, like he's just, you know, ready for anything. So I'm, we're happy to have him. He's also, I mean, he's got a really real connection and yeah. Yeah. he does a lot of activism mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't know if that has come up or if he's talked to anyone about that. Yeah, we've, we've spoke about stuff like that, man, for, for a while. It's uh, even before, you know, he, he came here. Um, he's, he's very passionate, you know, he's, he's very, you know, and he, he is a big, vo- a huge voice, I should say, as far as speaking for our people and being an activist, you know, and I respect him for, for that. We, we actually were in, um, where were we at? Um, we were in New York um, with Brianna Taylor's family um, at, at a, a, a protest uh, together. Um, this was a, while, a few, maybe like a month or something, a month, a year ago or so. Um, and just be, he's always asking me, like, you, you know, just kind of giving me tips on what he sees. He's an older, he's older. You know, I, I always like to, to ask questions about stuff that I don't, don't know and what he he's he's kind of a guy who studies this stuff and he's he's been big and using his voice being able to travel you know and be able to go to different cities and make sure people are taken care of make sure cities cities and family are taken care of and you know i respect that about him more than just him as a basketball coach you know as a basketball coach and what he does like he's he's a guy that's really standing on the front lines and doing it as well as speaking about it well um put yourself in in in, in your mom's shoes and in the eric's Spanish shoes from their perspective, what do you think it's going to be like for for them to not only see you to, to see you and Eric in the, in the same uniform on Wednesday? 
I think my mom and his mom probably cry <laughs> um, for sure because it's crazy when, you know, we sit back and you think about like, you know, that's the same kid we would go on the FDR to practice every day, sit in two and a half hour traffic on Fridays just to practice for an hour and a half and then come all the way back to West just for two and a half hours and we would rotate who would drive whose parents. Uh, I remember, still remember the same McDonald's we would stop, stop on off the Bronx River Parkway. Still remember going to his house, playing him in 2K, like I told y'all, with, again, with Rudy Gay. Like, there's so many different things. We've been, like, literally through everything together. And as a group, as a family, but as, like, brothers as well. And, that's, uh, and I think that's something that it'll be a little emotional. It's, it's, it's still weird, you know, seeing him every day. You know, like, it's kind of like, like, this is just, it feels weird. But, like, in a good way, it's like, man, like, you know, this is, it really happened for one. And I'm, I'm happy that it did because, you know, you, not only do you gain a guy who's physical, you know, who's a voice, who can play, who can hoop, who can guard, but you gain a guy that the team trusts, can lean on. And for me, it's a brother. Um, so, you know, it's crazy that life comes at you like that full circle and it's able to happen, you know, because that's not always the case. But um, I think I think my, my mom would definitely cry for sure when she hears him. And I know his mom will as well. His dad, Mr. Juan, I don't, I don't know if he'll cry. He's always, you know. I heard he was an OG. Yeah, he's an OG tough guy, but. He might tear up. If he does, I'm going to call him out on it, too. So, we'll see. There's Donovan Mitchell. Now, here is Joe Ingles. I've, I've never, like, I guess, tried to sit there and shoot and make as many as possible or anything. So, maybe I should. I'll do it for you. No, that's a lot. No, I don't, don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, they do, like, the Jazz 100 workout, right, where you see how many you can make out of the 100. Or we do do that. Like that. That's usually my first session back, which isn't good. Okay. Um, but, no, I've never really, like, Tracked it. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Just curious. Joe, if, if Donovan makes a leap to an all NBA level, what does that look like from, from your perspective? Um, probably, uh, honestly, like a little bit of everything, like another step on. Uh, I think every year we've, um, we've had him, I guess, from when he got asked to start and kind of take over the team and, whatever that was, halfway through his first year maybe, when we kind of realized that he was going to be the guy for a long time. Um, every year, um, he, he's got better and better in, in all aspects of the game, I think. Um, obviously, offensively is what people see the most and recognize, but I think it's to, – to me, his – you can't come in here late. <laughs> um, to me, his passing is probably one of the most impressive things. That's, um, not those like – look over here and throw them, but just in general, like off double teams, reading the, the pick and roll, whatever it is. Um, and then obviously defensively, I think he's got better and better. I think there's probably another level there for him that, that he wants to take. Um, and obviously with, with him and Rudy being our guys, they, they're obviously the, the key, key guys in our team. We all obviously are there to help and support and do what we have to do and do our jobs. But um, obviously we, we rely on those two a lot. So um I have no doubt that, that he'll take a leap in whatever aspect that is. I think it'll be across the board. Um, like I said, as he's, as he's done every year. Yeah, we'll talking about this coaching staff. I mean, obviously you guys have had guys who good shooters over the years, but it seems like, especially over these last few seasons, we've seen guys like, like even bigger leaps. Or or is that guys putting in extra shooting work? But, you know, so speaking about yourself, like you've gone Thanks. from 
I know you don't like it, but like you, you've gone from, you know, you've been able to get shots off quicker over the years. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think from when Quinn got the job, the, the stuff he brought in the first year, I don't know. I think there's only a couple left probably. Um, but the, the, I guess the, the focus and determination and passion that coach has in, in, um, developing all of us. Um, I think one of the things that sticks out to, to me, um, which he said to me, obviously coming over at 27 was like, why, why, what there should be no age on like, well, why can't I get better at 27 or, or 34 or whatever age you are? And, um, I think he's passed that through the staff, whoever's been here throughout the, the eight years. Um, just that, that dedication to, to getting better and obviously allowing us time prior and uh, post-practice every day. Um, obviously, the, the player themselves have to want to get better and want to work on it. Um, but I think when you walk in and, I mean, you guys aren't here in the mornings, but I mean, all our kind of that core group of guys, we're all here shooting before practices. Um, obviously you guys see after guys stay in and shoot after as well. So, um, I think just a dedication across the board from players, coaches, front office, everyone to, to get better. And, um, everyone's bought into it obviously, cause uh, I don't know how many players haven't got that much better, but majority of the players that have been here have, have either left better or are still here and are better. How long have you been hearing that you don't look like a basketball player? <laughs> Like Hassan uh, said the other day that you look like a substitute teacher. I'd be, I'd be so bad as a teacher. <laughs> um, probably since I started going bald, which was prior to having kids. <laughs> so don't have kids. No, do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've heard it a lot. More in the NBA because even in Europe, if they wanted to say something, I didn't know what the hell they were saying anyway, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> they might have been saying it back then, but I didn't know, I didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it's just you Americans, really. <laughs> I hear Americans are mean to me. From a pure basketball standpoint, like, is this the best time of year? It's a clean slate for every team in the league. Just how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Obviously, now I think one of the guys said, "Well, like we're two days away now." Like this was probably our last kind of not real practice, but like we get to get into it a little bit. Obviously, tomorrow will look like whatever it looks like, but it's not going to be as, as intense as today, obviously, and. Um, yeah, just the, the excitement of getting to play again. Obviously, everyone kind of starting off reasonably healthy as a team, getting everyone out there, um, bar Rudy, I think. Um, having fans back, uh, all of it combined, it, it, it's exciting. Um, you obviously know from the players, I guess you guys as well, we're in for a hell of a long year with late nights and that part of it's not as fun. But, um, yeah, it's exciting to get back out there and obviously to – for us to, to be able to start at home in a couple of days here. And um, I'm assuming they've every ticket sold probably as it always is um, with whatever COVID lets us, is it full? Is it allowed to be full? Yeah. Well, there you go, whatever, 18,000 people will be there. And um, yeah, it's exciting. And you're back together practicing out there with one of these, one of your teammates you've had for a while makes a play and you're like, oh damn, I forgot you could do that. Or, oh, wow. You had those moments with any of your teammates back just looking at you right now, like, oh gosh, I forgot he's that good at that or anything like that. That's probably JC every day. <laughs> he does some shit. Oh, sorry. He does something that, uh, I don't know. I remember in OTAs when we first got back and we were having lots of guys kind of come through and in and out and stuff. And 
it looked like JC just rocked up from wherever he'd been for the summer and had his Afro and he had about 40 points in like a two minute scrimmage. It was ridiculous. And some of the guys that aren't here daily and see him daily, literally like we're saying on the court, it was like playing a video game. Like it's just what he, but he does stuff every day, like against, I mean, sure something happened today, but that's just JC. So it's on the, on the other side of that, it's, it's nice seeing other guys, develop something that they've developed over the summer. Um, I think for me, Eli's got so much better um, in, in the summer and whether that be you know, a conversation with coach or just his dedication in terms of where he was working out and what he was doing. Um, he obviously would have spoken to someone about what he needed to improve on. Um, but I think for, for me, just seeing him, obviously the way he played in preseason as well, but we were seeing it here before that as well. And um, they're, they're the kind of, cool stories I guess that you see guys are, are young and hungry and I mean what is it 60 odd new guys come in the league every year and 60 odd guys lose a job so um, yeah they're the, they're the kind of cool ones I guess to watch as an, as an old man kind of along those lines Malik kind of had to try out for the team and then ended up getting a contract you did the same thing in the NBA a lot of guys ended the season with guaranteed deal what's it like feeling like you're actually trying out I mean it's almost high school type of stuff yeah, I mean, it's. I guess you, you've got to approach it the right way. Um, I I remember when it was me. It was my whole thing was like just kind of stay there as long as I had to stay there every day and do whatever I needed to do or had to do to. And I still remember I've said it before. But coaches, one of the first things he said to me was run to the corner and shoot threes and and play defense. And I was like, All right, I'll figure that out if I can stay on the court and. Um, Obviously, Malik's is a little different with two ways and stuff now. I don't I think we had that back then, eight years ago, whatever it was. But, um, yeah, just that, that dedication. It's Obviously, if it's a two-way, he'll play a lot of G League games as well. Um, I think sometimes it's harder when you're that 14, 15, 13, 14, 15, and you're really not seeing time, much time with, with, with our team, but you're not really going down to the G League a lot, especially last year with no G League. Um and just staying, having that focus to like, you're, you're playing kind of one on zero. A lot of the time you've, you've got to stay dedicated to, to getting better. And then obviously getting an opportunity if they do go to the G league to kind of show what they, they can do and how they've improved. But um, yeah, I had no idea who he was when he walked in the door and then someone said he was from St. Mary's, which means he's like 45% Australian. <laughs> um, so I was happy for him. It was, it was cool. Once we obviously kind of got to know him a little bit and, um, he's worked his ass off and, and he deserves it. I think he played well in, in the minutes he got for us and tall, athletic, can shoot the ball. Um, three pretty good things that an NBA player can have. So um, he was like a little kid when he found out, I think it was yesterday or the day before, um, which was exciting. It was, a, it was a happy moment for our team. When did you first get connected with Josh Diddy and what has been the, what has been the kind of... Is this that stupid question that he got the other day saying I stayed up all night or something? Until <laughs> 3 a.m. That was because I was on a plane with you guys. Oh, not with you guys, I hear it. Um, yeah, a couple whatever. I don't know the exact time. A couple of years ago, um, obviously knew his name a little bit, but being away from Australia for so long, it's hard to kind of track everybody, but... I think the the biggest connection for me in knowing I could probably help him in some way was him signing in the NBL as a 17, 18 year old as, as what I did 10 years ago, a long time, whatever, 2006, seven. Um, 
and just knowing the, the difference from playing the guys he was playing with at the time and then obviously going to the NBL and uh, NBL is probably a lot better now than it was when, when I played. Um, and just trying to help him, obviously giving him an open line to me to be able to ask questions. And I did watch a lot. He played for my hometown, which was, which was nice. Um, um, just giving him an open line to, and, and vice versa. If I watched the game because of our travel, not because I stayed up to watch him play. Um, I would watch a lot of games and um, just shoot him a text with some things and, and vice versa. He would, he was probably, I don't know how many times you give, like a kid or someone an opportunity to ask questions and they really take as much of it on as they can. And he was almost to the point of like being annoying with the questions, <laughs> but I had obviously committed to trying to help him. And, um, and then obviously with the national team, it was good to obviously didn't make the final team, but to, to spend some time with him and um, just spending that time, you obviously knew he was going to be a hell of a player when, when he got over here and, and so far so good. He's, he's played well. But you personally, I mean, over the long summer, obviously, that'll be Olympics. Now, all of a sudden, you only played three, you know, you missed three of the four games in preseason. How excited are you to be back on the floor? Are you? Yeah, I'm sick of Royce failing me at practice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, like I said, I, I think the, the preseason was up to coach and the, the training staff. I didn't really get much of a say at all in that. And um, just kind of going off what, what their guidance was and, that little taste of playing at somebody else and just getting back in the rhythm of it. Um, I think the biggest difference between FIBA or any other league in the NBA is just the, the pace of the game and how quick it is and the floor, how, how much more space there is on the floor. So just getting a half was, was good. And um, yeah, just ready to, like I said before, kind of ready to just get going now and start the season and get ready for however many months of seeing you guys. I'm happy for no more requests for the year. So if you want to get your questions out now, I'm happy to stay a couple more minutes and not do another one. <laughs> I've got really bad news for you. <laughs> I know. I'm the best interview you guys get. Joe Ingles and before him, Donovan Mitchell. As the Jazz get ready for their season opener tomorrow night. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Gives Henry on the right side. There he goes. throw. Looks, fires into the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown. Tommy Sweeney. Touchdown, Buffalo. Gives Henry on the left side to the 10. To the 5. To the end zone. Touchdown. Titan. Three time for Derrick Henry. Allen tried to sneak. He got nothing or so it appeared. They got it. They got it. They did it. They did it. Not yes. Not yes. Hell yes. And the Titans beat the Bills 34-31. Derrick Henry, 143 yards rushing, three touchdowns. The Bills go for it on fourth and one instead of kicking a field goal and going overtime, which given the way their defense was going, was really the only call. Giving up scores on six straight possessions. Hadn't had a stop since late in the first quarter, early in the second. 
But the quarterback sneak flashed me back to uh, Ty Detmer saying, oh, I only gave uh, Taysom one option there. Roll him out. Let him run. Give him he some slipped. receivers to throw to. He did slip. If he didn't slip, he would have been fine. He's six foot five. It was the exact right call. He, he had another option. He, he slipped. He had a defensive lineman coming right at him. Big I don't know deal. if he would have gotten there or not. Right. You don't. I agree. You don't. Roll him out. Roll him out. Six Roll foot out. five. We don't need him going anywhere but straight. Roll him out. You're Rolovich. That's what I'll do to you. Hey, oh. Both teams now four and two. Ravens with the best record in the AFC at five and one. Can Henry keep this up all year? Destroying all year? defenses. Where you been the last four? I know. At some point, it catches up with the running back. Why? Not catching up with him. Taking I mean, a lot of hits. The, the Bills. It didn't really matter. They're going to win the division. Yeah, I mean, they, and the Titans are going to win their division. There's really not another good division, another good team in either one of their divisions. No. 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 No, 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 Who's no. in the uh, AFC Central with Tennessee? There is, there is no Central. There's a North and a South. <laughs> no. Well, to get from the North to the South, you got to go through the Central. Indianapolis no, would geography. seem to be Indianapolis would right. seem to be the next best team, and they're not very good. Oh, you give Luck some time to get healthy. <laughs> hey, let's respect on Jonathan Taylor's name. Jonathan Taylor, a New Jersey kid who ran for 2,000 yards every season at Wisconsin. He was that good. True story. That's a true Another fact. Another kid. The two states I'm from, Rutgers don't get anybody, the Devils don't get anybody. They all leave. Browns running back Kareem Hunt expected to miss several weeks with a calf injury. Kareem Abdul Hunt? He was carted in the locker room after being injured versus Arizona. And do you think his parents would have named him that if it wasn't for Abdul-Jabbar? Was Kareem a big name in the community before Abdul-Jabbar made Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. My guess is no, but it's a little before my time, so. Kareem Hunt is before your time? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't know how big a name it was before Kareem. No, but I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about now. Kareem Hunt's 26 years old. That's absolutely I assume You got a kid virtually the same age. Did you consider naming him Kareem? <laughs> was there somebody before Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Irregardless, it doesn't matter. It does matter. was trending on Saturday, by the way. I took a picture of it. No, it doesn't. What was trending? Irregardless. Oh, it was? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What got it trending? They were debating whether it's a word or not. How no, many times okay. I got to tell you? It's a right. freaking word. Man, get off my back. The Rams prepare to take on the Lions for the first time since the team's traded quarterbacks in the offseason. Sean McVay expressed regret about how the deal went down with former Rams quarterback Jared Goff. Yes, I wish there was better, clearer communication to say that it was perfectly handled on my end. Uh, I wouldn't be totally accurate in that. I'll never claim to be perfect, but I will try to learn from some things that I can do better, and I think that was one of them without a doubt. I claim to be perfect. You do not. Kareem Hunt. Does he claim to be perfect? Uh, not that I know of. 2018, TMZ releasing a video involving him kicking a woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some people have to step aside. You know? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. I love being here. This is my jo- the job I wanted. I'm, I'm being here. I got a great contract. I have an unbelievable chancellor. I have an unbelievable president. Unbelievable AD. That we're building something. We're recruiting great players. I really believe we're on the process of building something great. I plan on being here and fulfilling this contract and doing everything. I, my family has roots here. I got ranches here. I hunt here. I love everything about this place. Jimbo Fisher. 
trying to shut down the rumors yeah. that LSU is going to come and get him. There's some things there. First of all, you're in the process, not on the process. So, however, your prepositional phrase correct. And then he talked about unbelievable chancellor, athletic director. Well, suppose those people leave. Well, then it would be a new deal. They're going to be there his whole time. What, was this a Franklin He's got a long Roosevelt? Con- this is the new deal. He's got a long contract, so my guess is they wouldn't be there the whole time. Well, the big thing in this is Woodward, the LSU AD, was his AD that hired him at AM. Oh, what a small world. That's crazy. Washington State fired head coach Nick Rolovich and four of his assistant coaches. They're not in compliance with the state of Washington's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Defensive coordinator Jake Dickert will serve as interim head coach for the Cougars as they host BYU Saturday afternoon. And just go across the border, man. Idaho is right there. And then you got it covered. Why didn't they think of this? Don't know. Go, I mean, go, Idaho is go, like right there. It is. Yes. I've been there. Yes, it is. It's right there. It's like eight miles to the University of Idaho. Right, and and it's not. The University of Idaho is not right on the border, so you got a few miles to play with. I don't understand why they just didn't move it. Just go east a little bit. Let's go go east, young man. Southeastern Conference announced that it's assessing Tennessee a $250,000 fine. The fans are throwing bottles and other debris onto the field. Golf ball. Uh, last Saturday, Neyland State. Golf ball. After Ole Miss <laughs> beat them 31-26. <laughs> SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey set forth requirements that Tennessee must adhere to under the sportsmanship, game management, and alcohol <laughs> availability policies established by the SEC. SEC is not suspending alcohol sales privilege for the University of, of Tennessee at not. this time. <laughs> Nobody ever will. Until but we're going to do that, I don't want to hear about this. But they reserve the right to do it if UT fails to meet all sure, the requirements here. Sure. Sure. For like a half a season, maybe a half, a half, a half of a half. We're done. At, with five minutes left in the game, no more beer sales. That's it. We're drawing the line. Make them play in an empty stadium like they do in uh, European soccer sometimes. You don't, can play. Don't, but no, nobody's don't, there. Don't ever do anything that matches European soccer. The last thing we need is a bunch of softies playing football. Don't you don't even bring that up. No, no, no. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. The vibe was what it was, right? Like, was it perfect? No, but. We're here to do a job, and that's to win basketball games. So we put our big boy pants on, and we get on the floor and do what we do. And that's pretty much it. That's the 76ers forward Tobias Harris on the vibe for the team. Saw some of the pictures on social media. Do you practice with a phone in your pocket very often? If you're expecting a call. Not all into it. (laughs) If you're expecting a call. Hold on, coach. I got a call. Right. I mean, Magic first took over at coach, and he smashed the phones. Right? He knew what he was doing about. But if you're expecting a for- important phone call, I mean, these guys are they're important people. I agree with what Tobias says. He can't be worried about that other stuff. Nope. Man. You're contracted to play ball as hard as you can and help the team win games. You just can circle your own little personal wagon and do what you can do. You can't control any of that other stuff. If somebody's got a bad attitude, doesn't want to be there, blah, blah, blah. Opening night for the NBA, it's the Nets and the Bucks tonight at 5.30. Defending champs will open things up. Second half of the TNT doubleheader is Warriors and Lakers in L.A. at 8 p.m. Wow. NBA, go ahead. Kyle, 
Kyrie Irving, you think that's going to be a story? Yeah. I heard he's only going to play for one coach going forward. Oh, really? Yeah. Nick Rolovich. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver says Monday he would have preferred that the NBA and Players Association came to an agreement on a vaccine mandate, in part to avoid it becoming an adversarial issue for the league's players, as it has for Nets star Kyrie Irving. He says this is between Irving and New York City right now. This is not a league issue, but I think it would have been best for everyone if every player were vaccinated. But they aren't, so it's an issue, and the Nets will go on without it. Who isn't vaccinated besides him? Uh, that may be what we're down to at this point. Really? So some bench guy's not making a stand? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you had Andrew Wiggins for a minute, and he decided to... Yeah, he, he got vaccinated. What's my status in the league? Ooh, it's not that much. I better get this. LeBron James does not buy that monitoring his minutes will have any impact on his health for the Lakers. I don't play the game thinking about injuries, and I also feel worse when I play low minutes. How does he feel worse? You got a headache? <laughs> I don't feel good. I mean, I saw that yesterday, and I thought, I appreciate that. Appreciate him wanting to be out there. I mean, they monitor his minutes anyway. Everyone's minutes are monitored. It doesn't matter who you are. They might monitor you and limit you to 38 a game, but they're still monitoring you. Right, exactly. So right. You're, you've, your minutes have always but been monitored. But the implication with this at his age is now we're going to limit you to 32 or 30 or 28 or whatever. He played 33 uh, Yeah, I think year. with this, the, the situation, the dictate of the, the, the nature of the games, where you are in the standings, where you are in the season, all that stuff goes into it for everybody. The thing that I didn't understand is you feel worse. Like, like how? These guys never get any follow-up questions to, like, all the social justice stuff. They just say it, and nobody ever really questions them about anything. They they, they say what they say, and then that's it, and then we just take it. And depending on what your political stance is, it's either shut up or it's brilliant. Uh, But there's not follow-ups. I would have loved to have follow-ups. What do you mean? How do you feel when you play 25 minutes? Are you nauseous? (laughs) I mean, what, what... you you feel lethargic and you you feel like you've lost conditioning to an extent. And you, since you, maybe you don't like the Jazz used to have a deal if you didn't play a certain amount of minutes, you had to do the bike and all that stuff. Yeah, that was a so, very slow roll. Yeah, for a long so time. do you feel like your conditioning is lessened? Is that what you're talking about? So it actually hurts you the next time out. I would. I'm really intrigued by yeah. what he meant by that. I thought there were two things that I could figure out. Is one is what you just said. Does he feel worse because of his conditioning? And the other is it more a mental thing? He feels worse because he's not contributing to the team and the teams he's been on. You know, he doesn't play as much. Oh, they he don't win as team. much. I know, right? So is it that? that no. it's, so it's, it's his conscience is bothering him. It's fit, right. forty-five trillion dollars that I get. We should have won more because I should have played more. So he feels bad about that. Those are the only two things I came up with. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. The preseason top 25 is out, and Gonzaga is number one. BYU got some votes. UCLA also getting first place votes. Uh, Gonzaga got 55 of 63. The other eight went to the Bruins. So Gonzaga, number one. UCLA, number two. And then the Big 12, Kansas, number three. Well, November 23rd in Vegas. Gonzaga and UC Los Angeles are going to play each other. The Bruins, I mean, Cronin, what a schedule. He's got North Carolina. He's got Villanova. I mean, all those teams are ranked. He's got, obviously, Gonzaga. I just said that. 
that's a whale of a non-conference schedule for sure for those guys. He's not ducking anybody. You know, he'll play as Northridges and probably your Santa Barbara and all that stuff, but he's also got some big-time games. So the 23rd of November, right around the corner, I'm looking forward to that game, at, and it's at uh, T-Mobile there. The big arena that they put up a few years back, so that should that, that's great. That's great for college basketball to have a game like that in November. Numbers, I don't. I assume they won't lose until then, so that'll be a big bat. It won't necessarily mean anything come March, but it captured my attention. You better believe on November twenty third, I'll be watching that ball game. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Three and nothing to Schwarber. He kicks and he delivers. Swing. There's a long drive to right field. Deep toward the grandstand. Tucker looking up. It is gone into the grandstand. Grand slam. Kyle Schwarber. Six nothing Red Sox. Can you believe it? 0 and 1 to JD. Pitch. Slider. Drilled to left. Way back. Gone. And you shall receive, Mr. Maloney. And it is 11-3 Red Sox. Boston Red Sox, 12-3 route of the Houston Astros. The Sox are up two games to one in the ALCS. Kyle Schwarber breaking it open with a grand slam. They had three all year, and now they got three and two games. They've won both those games. They've scored 25 runs in the series. PK, we talk about pitching and defense in the postseason. Astros giving up 12 runs and making two errors. They're not getting their pitching. I guess with the pitching, the errors don't matter at this point, but J.R. Richard ain't walking through that door. Hit me with that old Astro rotation. Nolan Ryan ain't walking through that door. Yeah, but anybody can go Nolan Ryan. J.R. was too obvious. Uh, yeah, I love Schwarber. You know, he's a short, squatty guy who's up there to do one thing. Hit the ball over the fence. I mean, you got... Hit dingers. You got, like, Stanton of the Yankees. Looks like a Greek god. You got Freddie Freeman of the Braves. Long and lean. Not Schwarber. Nope. Not saying he's uh, out of shape, but he's squatty. He's compact. And uh, stocky is probably a better word. And he's going up there hacking, man. He's got one thing on his mind. He walked up to the plate with bases loaded. Yeah, I don't care what the count is. I'm going to try to put that ball in the right field seats. And he did it. And at that point, the blowout was on. And Kike Hernandez is now nicknamed Willie Mays. He's <laughs> in like about 2,000. Can't get out. And, then, and the Dodgers are down 2-0. You should have never got rid of Kike. Can't believe they let Kike go. Braves and Dodgers today, 3 o'clock on TBS. With the Braves up two games to none, they're playing in L.A. today. And then it's the Astros and the Red Sox in Boston tonight, FS1, 6 o'clock. Problem with Ash, uh, the uh, Astros, they don't have Alan Ashby behind the plate, man. Let me tell you about Alan Ashby. They got Zach Greinke. San Pedro's high, Alan Ashby, I might add. Local legend. Yeah, oh, for sure. Daily Breeze days. Yeah, he's also a Latter-day Saint, for those of you who are interested in that. I learned about my baseball history from you. I hope you know this. Alan Ashby? Yeah, I interviewed him. The, the, the coach they had there, he was like the man in block. He didn't wear a uniform. 
and but he wore black pants and a black windbreaker and black they were the pirates so black was part of the color so he's Jerry Lavaro was the man in black he lived with his mother he was like Cliff Clavin of Cheers and he coached there for literally 40 years and he put so many dudes at one point they would proudly tell you they had the most guys in the big leagues Brian Harper was a player I was a manager for the probably the buzz he played there Gary Maddox uh, the list goes on and on and uh, so when he was like 65 I did a story and I call Ashby was a sportscaster down in uh, Houston and I called him up and then he said yeah Jerry Lavaro 65 and this was like 25 years after he played and Ashby says he's 65 I thought he was 65 when I played for him it <laughs> <laughs> was a character what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, 8 o'clock, Dylan Colley, his weekly visit. The former BYU receiver will join us to talk BYU and Washington State. 8.30, Frank Dolce, Ute Insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network on the Utes. 4-2 Utes going to play 4-2 Oregon State. First in the South versus a team that's tied for first in the North. Frank will be here at 8.30. Question of the day. Coming up next, stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toes brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. U of P Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment, or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the morning. How wild is it that non-vaccinated Nick Rolovich is out? As Washington State football coach ahead of this week's game against BYU. Against the vaccinated BYU Cougars. Dane says the Pac-12 is nothing but a liberal dictatorship. <laughs> I think that's to do with the state of Washington versus the Pac-12. <laughs> details. Yeah, that's just, you know, semantics there. I mean, they are. They're so left-wing. It's ridiculous, but... <laughs> Adam's right back at him. Hey, settle down, MAGA man. It was a Washington mandate from the government that cost him his job, not the Pac-12. Yeah, okay, but that, that's two different things. The Pac-12 is still a bastion of liberality. <laughs> you just wanted to say liberality. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is a crazy, crazy story. And I don't care where your politics are. This is just a crazy story. I, mean, I, I never would have thought in my life that an NFL or an NFL and a Pac-12 head coach and Staff members, four or five, five total, I guess, including Rolovich, are out because of a vaccine and a three-game winning streak when you're rolling. Rolo was rolling. 
You get your quarterback back. You can explain the losses. Explain the loss to Utah. They didn't have Delora or uh, Borgie. And it took a fourth quarter interception by uh, Phillips to extend the lead and make it comfortable. It's right down to the wire. I mean, I don't know what would have happened, but if you're Washington State, you can easily look at that. And they would be in contention for first place at that point. And so they still have an opportunity. Oh, they're four and three with five games to go. You finished nine and three. You've had a really good season. I don't care what division you did or didn't win. If you go nine and three in Pullman, Washington, as in most places, Tempe, Arizona, and so forth, that's a really good season as far as I'm concerned. And Delora uh, last year didn't even count, so I don't know what his plans are, but he can be considered a freshman. And now this? Yes. It's crazy. And the stories coming out of there, the, the guys who've been in the program a while, now he's a, a newer guy, but they've been through two player deaths. They're getting yeah, ready yeah, now for yeah. their third coach. Yeah. I mean, no, I whatever am. you sign on for as a college athlete, over four years, stuff's going to change. But that is a lot to go through. Well, they had the Pac-12 Network broadcast the press conference at 7.15 our time last night. So I fired it up and listened to it because it matters. Well, it's part of the job, I feel. So I listened to the whole thing. It went about 15, 20 minutes. They had the president and the AD there. And both of those men kept talking about that very thing, about the tragic uh, Holinsky, uh, I think that's his name, right? He took his life uh, a couple years back. Ryan Holinsky, yeah. Yeah. His brother went to South Carolina, but I think he transferred. He transferred to Wisconsin? He, no, he's a starter at Northwestern. Northwestern, that's what it was, yeah. Pretty good game last week, he, too. He transferred, yeah. And he was a, he's a quarterback. And uh, so, yeah, one thing after another here for these, for these kids. It's just crazy. I don't know how else to explain it. Can you explain what impact it's going to have on the game? Because that's what a lot of BYU fans care about. Because the back-to-back losses, a three-game losing streak, that will, whatever momentum they had, man, a three-game losing streak just zaps that. Yeah, I actually think it galvanizes them, but it's a flip of coin. I mean, you want to argue this is uh, something, a major distraction that will cause them to fraction and go into various places where they are not together as a team. That's fine, too. This is just an opinion here. But I think, to me... And watching that game against Stanford on Saturday as much as I could with other games that I'm trying to watch, uh, the BYU game being the prominent one, was that uh, they're on a roll now. And as I've said many, many times, it depends on not just who you play, but when you play them. You know, if you would have caught, Utah caught a major break without Delora playing. It's just a fact. I don't know that they necessarily needed it, but they caught it and took advantage of it. And But now he's back and he's playing well. And so, yeah, I think they're going to be a tough out because they are playing well. And, I mean, they pretty much knew this was coming. It was the, the post-paying press conference on Saturday and the comments were so bizarre. It was like attending your own funeral. In a sense, I mean, we knew this was coming. I just didn't believe it was going to happen, but yet it did. I didn't know if they were going to make an exception because you make exceptions. People who have leverage tend to get things made exceptions for them. Uh, you know, we talked about Kareem Hunt, video of him kicking a woman. Well, he's good enough to play, so he plays in the NFL, right? Because he's good enough. Uh, Ray Rice punched a gal. Was he good enough? Now he's was done. 
Did you argue was he good enough? I don't. I don't know all the circumstances on either of those cases. But the point being, the better you are, the more leverage you have. It seems like more accommodations are made for you. And I, I just didn't know that it would come to this. And why isn't he getting the vaccine? Does he have a right not to get it? I guess he has a right to get it, not to get it. But he's going to pay a heavy price. He's going to walk away from a head coaching job and three million dollars. Oh, there's plenty of comments about that. Scott leaving $3 million on the table, and he's got the face palm emoji after that. So we do, do we respect him and, for staying true to his convictions, or do we think he's selfish? And how dare you put others' health at jeopardy, in jeopardy, and all that stuff? And I, geez, what is your politics? Who'd you vote for in the uh, last election? Uh, will probably tell me who or who you support and what you support in this case. That's just the reality of it. Money, race, and politics now, they're in every discussion. Including whether Nick Rolovich coaches Saturday or not. To which the answer is no, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. To one extent or another, those three factors it's, are involved in virtually everything. This isn't a surprise. You went to Pac-12 Media Days, but he didn't. He and did it was not, because no. of his vaccine status. So this Correct. story has been building since, well, for us who are out of town August, it may have been a bigger deal up there. Uh, or late July, I mean. That may have been yeah, a bigger yeah, yeah, deal gotcha. up there before then. But, I mean, this this train was on the tracks weeks ago. Months ago. With that acknowledgement, because it's a fact, that's why I thought it would never get to this point, because it has been a story. And if you're against it, or you have some personal reasons, whatever, they, and he's never really expounded, and we know about the religious exemption, uh, but you would have thought that, okay, why get it in August if I don't have to get it until October? And there was one point where he said something, and he never really spelled it out. He doesn't have to. He could, but he didn't. But he said something, and people thought, well, he's quietly going to get it and not announce it and just keep coaching. But apparently that was not the right take. Well, it he, he didn't get it, and now he's not coaching. And suppose he gets it today. Can he get it? Can he have a change of heart? Decide to get it? I would say on the surface, no. But your point about that exceptions are made for people in exceptional circumstances, who are exceptional at their job, it's a strong point. I mean, there's, there's tons of them. There's jokes about it in sports all the time. Jimmy Johnson cutting a guy for falling asleep. But what if Troy fell asleep? I'd hit him on the knee and tell him to wake up, right? Troy, Troy Eggman's a Hall of Famer. Well, after he had a decent nap, though. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Not just like three minutes. If he's, he's tired, he's a Hall of Famer. Rest. There's a Hall of Famer, man. There's another set of rules for the Hall of Famer. Tell me about it. That's why I got the rules for me. Yeah! <laughs> this is so bizarre, man. I just, there's nothing in the world to compare it. In the sports world, about anyway. And we see the similar stories repeat themselves over and over. Yeah. They're a little different. The flesh befalls a head coach. All right. That's as old as yep. probably the first coach. <laughs> <laughs> Did Adam coach his coach, soccer? Coach Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Did he coach T-ball? I mean, so we've all heard of those stories, right? They're a dime a dozen. Uh, how that? Not uh, this one. I mean, I've been trying to tell these people, co- coaches, women, weakened knees. They don't want to listen. <laughs> you know, I tell you. Uh, so it's just that was your Burgess Meredith right there. Thank you, Mick. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what did he, he play? Penguin. 
On Batman? Yes, you are correct. Yeah. I loved Batman. Loved Batman as a kid. Yeah. And then they leave you with that cliffhanger. You think, oh no, Robin and Ad- and Batman, they're going to die. And then you had to wait till tomorrow to find out how the crap they got out of it. And you have pow, zam, smack. Okay. I love that stuff, man. <laughs> easily, easily. Top two or three show as a kid. Yeah. This is so, this is so wacko. And then he doesn't owe us an explanation, but just out of interest, I would like to know. And it certainly doesn't owe me anything. No, I don't think it owes anybody. He, pl- he played by the rules, and the rules were what they were, and now he's out of a job. So he, I, does he have that right to do it? I think he does, and he paid a heavy price. I mean, I, I didn't know that I wanted to get the vaccine, but it wasn't for any big moralistic stance. It's just that for 15 months, I did the show out of my basement, and then uh, gyms were closed, so I'd go to the park, and then when they opened, I go at like eleven or twelve in in the morning or at noon, and there's hardly anybody there. And then I'd go golf, and then that was it. It's like, I, it's a fairly isolated life. Yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I right. Know. You know, and I don't have any family here, so I'm not. You're not going for birthdays and anniversaries no. and the big Sunday night dinner no. with 20 people, and you get a text from a coworker who says, "I'm over at my mother-in-law's, and I'll get back to you later." Right. No, I haven't. I haven't had that. That's me and Yacht texting. I no, I have no family here. Zero. I haven't had a family dinner in well over 10, 15 years with my own little family. I mean, haven't even had that. So I thought, I don't need this thing. If anybody's not going to get it, it's me. But then all this hubbub about, well, you got to get it for this guy, that guy, and for you to come back and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. So I called a couple of medical people that I know. And uh, they were emphatic about it, and I figured they know more than me, so got it. I didn't make a big deal. It was I was not making any political stance is what I'm trying to get yeah. to. I don't make political stances. Lots of people had their hesitations and wondered and called people with medical backgrounds. I know I did. I didn't, but I wasn't but was hesitant about it, though. I just didn't think there was any point for me. I, no. I wasn't hesitant medically speaking, you know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying. Like, oh, no. I mean, this is something that's absolutely wrong, blah, blah, blah. That's just me. If you think otherwise, so be it. I'm not here to preach to you whatsoever in any way possible. You do what you do. And there's no point in me preaching. The media now has turned into preaching and lecturing. You know? It's a fine line from opinion to preaching to lecturing. But that's where where you are. If you don't preach and lecture in the media... If you have a platform, then you're negligent. That's all it is. And you're either left or you're right. And the thing that I've discovered, you're not going to convince me of anything. So stop. Don't preach to me because it's not going to work. In fact, it's going to make you, my, the way I'm born and bred, it's going to make me want to do the opposite. <laughs> so when does it change? When does the media go back to reporting? And it's more about the quotes, which may or may not be the truth, but we report what people tell us. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know that it'll ever be. That's, that's a good point. I don't know. I can't answer that question. I don't know. That's where we're going. So I don't know. And then there's a, the, the more preaching there is, you're just literally preaching to the choir in that sense because the other side becomes more distrusting, more, they move for, uh, more away, and they believe you less. 
And, you know, we got Katie Couric out there with the uh, Ginsburg thing. Oh, I can interview her, and she was great and all. But wait, she said something that I disagreed with, so she so didn't I understand wanna, the question. I want to protect her. And censor, yeah. yeah. Who the hell are you to censor? Which this lady, this justice, who was acknowledged as a, a pioneer and a groundbreaking person for all the stuff she did and blah, blah, blah. But she leaned over here, but not on this thing with the kneeling for the national anthem and Kaepernick. Well, but she didn't understand the question. Oh, my gosh. She didn't understand the question. Then maybe she shouldn't be a Supreme Court judge. Yeah, or you shouldn't interview her in the first place. Yeah, but obviously this shouldn't understand which the journalism. Which journalism oh professor was it who told you? Uh, to, by the way, uh, censor the answers based on uh, what you like and think <laughs> of the. None of your journalism professors said that. I would think not. No, just shocking. Uh, the w- the way this profession has gone is just it's embarrassing at times. And I used to hold it in such high regard. And there's plenty of people who still should be held in high regard uh, and all that stuff. But then, then that, was just, that was just a shocker when I saw that story. So all this preaching doesn't work anyway because there's a massive distrust and all this stuff. So, you know, so I did, why preach about Rolovich then? He played by the rules. These are the rules. The state of Washington established this date. We hit the date. Voila. And there you go. I know, but it's crazy. It is, because he's gone midseason. And coaches, you know, we're all in. Eh, I'm not all in. These are premium jobs. Yeah. They're hard to get. You've got to work for it. You just don't roll into it, so to speak. You, I mean, you got to pay your dues. I'm sure and if I looked at his resume, he's probably been all over the place. I first heard of him as, uh, I think, the coordinator at Nevada. And then obviously at Hawaii, and then here in Pullman. Uh, but wow, and those assistants. This is this is this is one of the more unbelievable sports stories that I've ever seen. And I don't know whether to say that a kid way to stand up for your convictions or what are you doing? <laughs> I think it's okay. Actually, well, we don't to really know what he, we don't really know what he's doing because. He's, he's, never, he's never made. He's, that's he's, what I'm saying. He's never explained it, and he doesn't owe me an explanation by any stretch. Right. I, I don't know it. that he owes anybody. His family, I guess. Maybe but, his players, but not us. And we're not even Washington taxpayers. <laughs> Maybe even them before us. Yeah, yeah. 49 states. Mm-hmm. This is so wild, man. This is such a wild story. I don't know that it ha- will have any effect. I think the BYU Cougars are going to have to play well. They're going to have to stop Washington State's offense, no matter if I'm coaching or Rolovich is coaching or this. So would they elevate the offensive coordinator? Uh, defensive defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter who the coach is, uh, I just I don't know that. Maybe it does. Maybe it has a massive effect. I don't know. But I do know BYU is going to have to play better. They're going to have to play better defensively. That's a fact. They can't let Borgie go for 200 yards and but run this all is, over them. Right, but this is going to be a different kind of test because of the way they're throwing the ball. Right, but if you can run the ball, and Borgie's very good, uh, and if you can run the ball the way uh, Baylor did, don't throw it. I mean, <laughs> years ago we saw the all Cougar this- offense that was a big pass-happy offense come into Rice-Eccles and hardly throw the ball, and they, the object, objective is to win the game. Norman Chow changed up to everything. 96. Is that what it was, 96? Yeah. 
They ran the ball extensively. Cotton Bowl team, I think Sark threw like six passes right. or some ridiculously they ran low to like total. 400 right. or something. Yeah. So I can't say that I know obviously Washington State is a passing team, but are they in this case if they can have success running the ball because it's the easiest way to win and dominate? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up, more on this game with Dylan Cauley, former BYU receiver at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. So I'm trying to get my phone to not call me Hans. All right, try it again. Don't call me Hans. Okay, what should I call you? Hans. You'd like me to call you Hats. Is that right? <laughs> no. Hans. You'd like me to call you Pants. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing. Like Lance or Dance. What is my name, Google? Your name is Hans. God. Stupid, dumb thing. Could you call me Hans Smith? You'd like me to call you handsome. Is that right? Well, it's better than Hans. Yeah. Catch Hans and Scotty every day, presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, PK, we were just talking about BYU and Washington State, and uh, the Washington State obviously is the big story nationally, but for BYU it's an important game because they started 5-0. But now with back-to-back losses and a third one and all the good vibes, all the good feeling to be mm-hmm. out the window. Sure. The yeah. Utes had all the bad vibes early on, one and two, losing a rivalry game, then losing to San Diego State in a game they just messed up multiple ways. But now they got all the good vibes flowing because they've won three in a row. But if there's anything these two teams are reminding of us, uh, which we should already know, this stuff is fleeting. So what you're saying, they got good vibes? Good, 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 good vibrations. Are the Utes picking up the excitations? Yes. Good, 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 good vibrations. I don't know where, but the Utes send me there. Ah. That was good. That's really hard to do, by the way. That falsetto. <laughs> your voice will your voice will crack like Scott Gerard calling a game winning touchdown. No. <laughs> Good vibrations. Utes giving me excitations. Utes, Utes, Utes. Good vibrations. Good Utes vibrations. Some of your finest work. You know, they were from Hawthorne, which is the hometown of Russell Westbrook. Random links, but okay, great. <laughs> Keep it current. <laughs> sure. Oh, I think that uh, Russ went to Losinger and the others went to Hawthorne High, but probably there wasn't a Losinger back then. That's why they didn't go to Losinger. There's two schools in Hawthorne. <laughs> there was a point to this a while ago. You, you before we got into good beating. vibes. <laughs> Hey, DJ, I don't know where, but you send me there. There it is. <laughs> so for all of the good vibes, though, this game with Oregon State, and if you want to take them two at a time, the UCLA game, they could come out of this UCLA game 5-0 and with a two-game lead. Your Devils might lose to Washington State that day. 
UCLA could lose to Oregon in the Utes. I mean, they could be running away with this thing in two weeks, and they could also be in third place in two weeks. That's funny you say that. Uh, I saw yesterday one of these dot-com guys, and they do great work, the dot-com guys, but they're hardcore fans of the team that they cover. You know what I mean? They just love their team, and that's great. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, and one of the guys uh, for the who does the dot-com for the Sun Devils said the exact opposite uh, because the, the Devils have a bye this week. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, saying... <laughs> No, the Utes could lose to Oregon State. The bye comes at the right time for ASU. We need to get healthier on defense. Some younger guys are not ready for the big big time situation, and vets have gotten worn down. But uh, if you look at this situation realistically, they have a realistic path to being five and one. And Utah plays at Oregon State, UCLA, and Stanford in that span, and later hosts Oregon. ASU really hurt its South title chances at Utah and must play better, but it's far from over. It is far from over. <laughs> but it's really this no, whole thing can be turned upside but it's down. It's no in two different weeks. from from season to season, week to week. Once you get into conference play, the, unless you have a superiorly dominant team like the Utes had in 2019, right, with a roster stacked of not just NFL guys. But ready NFL guys, meaning they didn't need any more time to develop. They could have a lot of them, except for maybe uh, Burgess, uh, I, I think. But Zach Moss could have gone a year earlier. Yeah, right. right. Right and and Jalen Johnson and I I can't even remember all the guys. Lucky Fotu and and I up front. All those guys could have gone not playing that last year. So they were not only NFL guys; they were NFL ready draft guys. For a year, Utah's not in that position. They may have a lot of NFL guys, but not necessarily they're already being NFL guys. They need some more seasoning. So with that in mind, this is more of a typical season where things can change week to week. I don't think it's that unusual. The only difference is SC sucks. That's it. That's a big difference. And they've already beaten them. Right. Yeah. But in 2019, you knew... They got to win now, the Utes, because they dropped that SC game. And SC could lose one or two over the course of the season, and they did. They did. Whereas now, anybody could lose one or two. Well, ASU can't lose two over the next two weeks because they the only Bruins, play one. They don't have to worry about it. They control their own destiny if you're all caught up in that. Right. So but can... in two weeks, it could be all gone. UCLA loses to Oregon and loses to Utah. It's over. Be sitting here theoretically, not ha- mathematically, but yeah, yeah. Be sitting here Halloween morning, and it can be real clear how the month of November is going to go. I think it will be, but I can't guarantee it. I feel like sixty-five, seventy percent chance. And I stated it yesterday. I believe that the Utes are going to play in a Rose Bowl this year. Get your tickets now. Well, you can't get them now. I maybe mean, get can. your I don't know. get you your, your hotel, hotel reservation reservations. in yeah. Southern California now. And if you want to rent a car, you know, get your $500 a day rent a car. hey <laughs> Super expensive. Yeah. yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us next. Frank Dolce, Ute Insider Analyst for The Zone Sports Network at 830. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 
Time to check in our weekly visit with Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Dylan, good morning. Morning, fellas. How we doing? Good. I am curious... Uh, if you think a loss like BYU just went through feels different, just getting physically dominated at the line of scrimmage, as opposed to a Boise State game where you're thinking, man, made a you know yeah. three mistakes with three fumbles. I'll even set that fourth interception aside because the game could have been a very different point with two minutes to go, and maybe that wouldn't have happened. You know, those fumbles we could have that could have been really different. Whereas the Baylor game, man, you're getting on the bus afterwards, and you're thinking. 300 yards rushing, and our star running back yeah. only ran for 33 yards. Ah, so I'm just wondering what you think the team is thinking and feeling, and how that impacts them going forward. Yeah, I think it's uh, that, that's definitely a tough one, right? That's a tough pill to swallow. Um, you you know have so much confidence in kind of the power right behind the offensive. Um, but to see it go down that way, you start to kind of rethink and, you know, kind of reevaluate what type of strength and power you have against top-tier teams, right? Um, and what's the difference between the first part of the season? And, yes, we can sit here and talk about, well, it's early in the season, it's all these different things, but, you know, personally, the, the difference really has been kind of that strength in that overpower and the, the confidence that the defensive line and that box had. And I don't know if that's a loss because of Keenan Peely or, or what the deal is there, but um, that was a uh, that was a different ball game and a different football team that we saw Saturday. Yeah, I think that Peely injury, the season ender, I think he su- suffered it against ASU if I remember correctly. That's, that's yeah. I, I think it's been underreported because uh, I believe he was their best defensive player. I mean, they've got a, Will Gar mm-hmm. and some other guys are really good, but I think he was their best. And you yeah. don't replace your best because he is your best. But nevertheless, this is football, so they've got to find ways to step up from these other guys. Now, maybe they can get better with they have more experience, but what's your confidence level that the defense can rebound because, I mean, they got thrashed by Baylor. Yeah, and, and, and I do. I, I do have a ton of confidence. And even looking at the, the rest of that injury report, you look at, you know, uh, you look at Zoe Palatea, uh, being out and kind of that that spirit of the defensive line, right? And what he brings to the table and the energy that he brings uh, for the defense is huge. And so when you look at the loss of those two players, you're kind of, like you said, right? The difference between being a top-tier team is the depth that you have to replace those types of injuries. And so if, those, if, those, if the depth isn't there, right, then where do you fall? among the rest of college football. And so, um, you know, I think over time, right, in terms of growth and in terms of what the future looks like for BYU, like I said from the very beginning, the recruiting classes aren't going to get worse by any means. They're only going to get better. Uh, and so I think what you're going to see over the next few years is that talent continue to develop and that depth continue where there isn't this talent gap, you know, forget experience, but there isn't this talent gap between you know, the first and second level guys uh, in that in that box. 
So Kalani's talked a lot about the depth of this team being better, and I think that uh, big picture, that's probably true. But then when you start breaking it down by position group, it isn't true for every position group, certainly not to the same level, right? We know they've got two quarterbacks. We know there's depth at wide receiver. Now, the old line has had guys coming and going, and certainly BYU did not run the ball the way we expected. Do you... How much faith do you have in the depth of the O-line? Are there specific guys that can't be replaced the way Peely can't? He's just too good. You're not going to have another Peely coming off the bench. You're just not. And I, Right, exactly. And, and I think that goes off of age, right? And who's, you know, what is the depth of this team in regards to how many young players are involved? The, the may be seasoned and, and they might be juniors and some may even be seniors. But the depth goes back to, you know, true freshmen, right? Uh, that's who we're going out there with. And so you have, you, you have to understand that you have to give those guys time. Um, and when Kalani talks about the depth being better, I mean, if you look at even where we were in 2018, right, when this staff really just started to kind of ramp things up, the depth wasn't – like, we didn't have the depth at starters, right? Like, our first 22 guys that were out on the field weren't – as good as some of the second deep guys or the two deep guys that BYU has today. And so if you look at where the depth is in comparison and where that growth has come from is, is huge, is, is incredibly different. Um, now it's just a matter of continuing to build upon that and, and getting the guys that you know we need to be able to develop, not just a couple positions too deep, but every position too deep, and now preparing to get the three deep uh, in a, you know, in, in top-tier talent. So, Dylan, if I remember correctly, my timeline is right. You played for Nick Rolovich in Hawaii, did you not? Uh-huh. I did. Right. I did. So this is a wild, wild story. Uh, what do you know of him? What can you tell us about him as far as uh, are you surprised by all this? Um, I've obviously had a, a, a lot of time to think about this, right, since, since the report first came out that he was in this situation um, and then just talking to teammates throughout the weeks uh, on, you know, what the different opinions and different reactions are. And then even last night when the news, uh, the news broke, having conversations with teammates. And, you know, um, if there's one thing about Rolo, right, he is, a, he is a player's first guy. And I think you've seen that in the reaction from the Washington State players, right? Now, my first two years with Rolo were his first two years as a head coach in college football. And so you saw a lot of learning, a lot of growth, um, and a lot of areas where you kind of say, okay, like, yep, this is the effects of being a new head coach. Uh, to see the reaction of his players, right, and really just the devastation proves out that over the last few years, he's done nothing but continue to grow in regards to being a head coach, but as well as building relationships and building the character of these players. And so, you know, uh, that's where this type of thing becomes very difficult because, you know, you look at the choices that were made because it obviously is a choice, right? And I have no qualms with whatever choice anybody wants to make, right? You have that freedom to choose. But when you look at the adverse effect of what this may do to some of those kids that literally had – zero opportunity, right? And now 
based off the experience that I've had with Rolo, right? Now have a world of confidence and a world of potential to go out and really have faith in themselves to go achieve what they want, right? Um, is, is huge. And so, uh, you know, once again, right, you got, you got the freedom to choose and, and I respect his decision. And we, when he makes decisions, he's going to stick, you know, he's going to stick with those decisions. Um, and if he feels it's for the best, right, then it, it's for the best for him and his family. Uh, but you got to look at what, what these players are about to go through, especially in the change. Um, and, and losing him is kind of their, their lighthouse. Uh, as, as a leader. So, uh, you know, it, it's obviously a tough, tough experience for them specifically. So the O-line coach is out. The uh, co-offensive yep. coordinator slash quarterbacks coach is out. The head coach is out. That's on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, right. Rollo's got the right. offensive background. So I'm curious for the BYU defense, how much do you think of what they see on film is going to apply? I think it's most of it. And then in-game adjustments, that would seem to be really hard for Washington State. If the Cougar defense can get the upper hand, that would be more important than usual, I would think. If you can get the upper hand and get a lead, uh, do you buy all that? Yeah. There's, there's, two, there's two parts of that, right? You, you have the first part being what type of adjustments can be made. The beautiful thing about Rolo's offense is that really everything is player-based. It's extremely simple to learn. It's extremely simple to understand as you begin to understand the game of football, right? And so the way that the offense is taught in terms of formations, in terms of play calls, in terms of adjustments, is all based off of coverage. There's almost zero communication with the coaches during a actual game, right? You're going to get the signal, which is, you know, to be honest with you, right? We could open up the playbook right now at Washington State. You're going to see four different. Uh, you're going to see two different types, right? You're going to see a lot of twelve. You're going to see a lot of eleven and a lot of ten. Uh, and then you're going to see about four different formations that are based off of a number call, and that's it, right? Everything else is going to be an RPO base, and that is going to be contingent on what the defense is showing you. And the quarterback has the ability to change all of that at the line without zero kind of recognition or confirmation from the coach. And so the ability to run that offense is going to be very simple for them. Now, you look at the core base, right? What happens in a game when an offensive line is getting beat up, right? You have that ability to kind of regroup with your coach. Uh, you have the ability to kind of find your way and, and go back to the offensive line coach like Weber and gain that type of confidence. But unfortunately, he's not going to be there. And so if BYU is able to bring that pressure and bring the heat and, you know, play a much more physical game than they played this last Saturday, then they should be able to put this to rest very quickly, right? Um, and, and I just don't see there being much opportunity for a team like Washington State in this type of situation they're in to find any type of momentum with the amount of coaches that are gone, especially with Rolo. Why do you say especially Rolo as opposed to the assistants? Because um, uh, I get Rolo has a much, much more involved football scheme 
than most head coaches you'll see, right? Uh, when it comes to the football, the only chance and the only ability that Rolo has to be extremely successful is when he is actually touching the offense. Um, if he takes that bystander look and says, hey, I trust my guys, right? I trust the passing game coordinator. I trust the run game coordinator to run this offense. Uh, the effects, they're, they're not there, right? They don't have the level of comprehension that Rolo does. Nick Rolovich is one of the most dynamic offensive minds in the game of football. That dude is, um, like, brainiac smart when it comes to football. And so, you know, that's his passion. That's his, that is his strength. And so if he isn't a key part of that, then you're not going to be – the success isn't surrounded by him. I can, I can promise you that. The success really stands – starts and is, you know, kind of the momentum is gained through him and everybody else just kind of has a small finger in what that success looks like on that staff. Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. So coaches will always say, well, we worry about us. You know, it's 80 or 90% about what we do. It's 10 or 20% of preparing for the opponent. As you, as, a, as an alum, get ready to watch this game, are you more worried about BYU figuring out what went wrong the last two weeks? Or are you more trying to figure out what the heck is Wazoo going to do? This is a crazy story to have happening after seven yeah. games in a 12-game season. Yeah, if, if- if BYU gets lost in the story of Wazoo, right, they're going to find themselves in a pickle halfway through the second quarter. Uh, this is really an opportunity for BYU to flip the switch and carry out the rest of the season with some momentum uh, to kind of build, to grow, to get ready for, you know, obviously, we all know, contractually, going to the Independence Bowl, right, to be able to finish out the season you know, hopefully run the table. You have a few games in front of you that can be real difference makers as in, you know, as it pertains to power five teams, you have the opportunity to go and win a ball game. And then you come back and you get a lot of your guys back. Uh, and you use this as kind of a stepping stone to what greatness could be like for, for next season. Um, and that's, that's huge. But if you get lost in the thoughts, right, you're going to find yourself in a, in a bit of a pickle. Well, that could lead to a three-game losing streak, and that would wreck all the good vibes from 5-0 and to open the season. So, big game Saturday afternoon on the Palouse. Absolutely. All right, Dylan, well, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking BYU football, and thanks for uh, explaining Rolo. I haven't played for him for a couple of years. We appreciate it. Hey, no worries. You guys have a good one. Dylan Conley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Don't get lost in the sauce, PK. He seems to think the loss of Rolovich is massive. Now, he played for him for two years, and so he knows him better than anybody we could have on the air. Uh, he was there. You're going to play for a coach for two years, and you're obviously going to come away from, uh, from that experience with a lot of uh, emotion and knowledge and all that stuff. And he's calling him a brainiac offensively. Uh, you know, we, we've heard that. But he didn't hear it. He saw it. And so that makes me think a little bit differently. You know, I said earlier, maybe he can galvanize these guys. But he's acting as if it's a major loss more than the several assistants. 
One thing I saw this morning is that Stutzman, the co-OC who was let go, he actually had taken over play-calling responsibilities in recent weeks. So you've just lost your offensive play-caller as well as the head coach. Yeah. So, But maybe that's minimized because the quarterback has so much of a say at the line of scrimmage, well, and they got a quarterback who's been playing well. And, De- has, yeah. and Delora was coached by June Jones, who is one of the originators of this offense. He's been coached by him since he was a, uh, literally a freshman in high school in this offense. And that's June Jones the third. The third. Okay. Yes, because his grandfather was the original June Jones, and his father was June Jones the second. Very few people know that. So you wonder, why do you come to the zone in the mornings? Because I'm the guy who could tell you that June Jones the third, that there's two other June Jones that preceded him. You're not going to get that information from very many people, but you're going to get it right here. June Jones the third, JJ three. See what I'm saying? Unfortunately, I do. Because June is coaching in Hawaii, and obviously he was a legendary coach. Took them to the what? The Sugar Bowl? Yep. And then... They got worked by Georgia. Yeah. But they were there. Did they play like four uh, one double eight teams that year to get there? <laughs> <laughs> whoever, whoever will come out to Hawaii. <laughs> but they got, they got there. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, Delores is a spectacular player, and he's a gunslinger. So you, you don't know what you're going to get. You can get good Delora, you can get bad Delora. It's up to the Cougars, the BYU Cougars, to make sure they get bad Delora because he can pick you apart. There's no doubt about that. And for me, who doesn't really care who wins and just wants to be entertained, I like watching that kid play. Coming up next, Frank Dolce, Ute Insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He is next as the Utes get ready for a big game at Oregon State. Stay with us. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. So I'm trying to get my phone to not call me Hans. All right, try it again. Don't call me Hans. Okay, what should I call you? Hans. You'd like me to call you Hats. Is that right? <laughs> no. Hans. You'd like me to call you Pants. It's <laughs> the dumbest thing. Like Lance or Dance. What is my name, Google? Your name is Hans. God, stupid, dumb thing. Could you call me Hans, Ned? You'd like me to call you Handsome. Is that right? Well, it's better than Hans, yeah. Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah getting ready to face Oregon State. PK, it doesn't sound like a massive matchup, but it's the leader in the South and the co-leader in the North. It's a Pac-12 network game. <laughs> yes, Phantom Fox. That surprised like, me. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a massive that, matchup. That did surprise me when I saw that. You know, I got the Pac-12 network, so I'm okay. I'm good to go. But yeah, I, I saw that, and I was surprised because I think... It, it's an important game, obviously. Both teams are 4 2. It is time to bring in Frank Dolce, Ute Insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of the Save Now, Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Doing well, yes. A little curious, your take. Utah, Oregon State. It doesn't sound like a huge game, but they're both 4-2 and two and 
Utes lead the South, and Oregon State's tied with Oregon in the North. I get Oregon. UCLA is the big game. I can't remember. It's ABC or Fox, but it's over the air. It's Okay, so that game is sexier. It's the L.A. market. It's Oregon. It's, you know, the coach versus his old team. But I would think the Utes, that's the second-best game of the week in the conference. ASU's on a bye week, but it's shuttled off to the Pac-12 network. Like, it's nothing. Like, it's Colorado and Arizona. Yeah. What are they doing? What's yeah. going on? Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe you talk and use that as motivation. We're on the Pac-12 network. Let's show them <laughs> on three. We'll show you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I I think that, uh, yeah, I think Oregon-UCLA is uh, is kind of an exciting matchup, too. So, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I think this really fits, though, with this kind of fits. Uh, Utah and Oregon State. I don't know if these two programs want to be flashy or, or, uh, or, you know, the the, the uh, bell cow of the of the conference. They just want to go out and do their work and then find themselves in a position to win the championship at the end of the year. So I think it I think it kind of fits the personality of both of these football teams. And by the way, it's not a great position for Utah to be in. I, it, if you go just this year alone, you go across the conference and, you know, we said Oregon was the best team in the league and then Oregon got beat the next week. And then Oregon State took control of the North and then Oregon State got beaten next week. And then uh, we said UCLA uh, was the best team in the South and then UCLA got beaten the next week. And then Arizona State was the best team in the South and then Arizona State got beaten next week. So now we're going to say, well, Utah, Utah sits atop the South. Are they the best team in the South? This is not an enviable position to be in. So what you're saying is watch out for Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's Probably exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Did you see the beatdown Colorado <laughs> yeah. put on Arizona? I did, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> look out. Look out for the buffs. They're peaking, yeah. man. Just for Utah's they sake, hope they peak just, too early. <laughs> just at the right time, yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. I think this is a good Utah football team and uh but but it's like it's not like a you know, a football a Utah football team that can go out and make a bunch of mistakes. It just just look what Arizona State did. I mean, that's a good football team. They were very physical at the line of scrimmage. They kind of beat people beat beat people up. They beat Utah up at the line of scrimmage in the first half. And then they, you know, they got 13 penalties in, in that football game, which is which is equal to probably a couple turnovers which in is, the game. And, and, and it's an unusually low number for the Sun Devils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the state of Utah. Exactly. Yeah. You are a way better audience for him. You give him a big old laugh, and I just look at him and cross my eyes and like, oh, come, come on. on if you're dude. not getting to 15, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. What well, lack of effort. I mean, we're going to be we're gonna be running laps for that kind of effort. 13 penalties. We can do better than that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why you're not in stitches all the time, DJ. I mean, he's a funny guy. <laughs> I am. Exactly again. I am from getting beat up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, those kind of stitches. <laughs> yeah, right. I got you. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, I, I think that, I think Utah's a good football team. Uh, not a perfect football team, but I think they, you know, we've seen, they've seen what they can accomplish. And hopefully that's enough motivation to prepare well each week to go out and, and play the way you're capable of playing. Because if Utah does that, then there's no reason why they can't 
run through and, and win the division. So, as a former quarterback, we know how you view the game. And the quarterback switch is obviously a big deal. It's obviously had a, 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 you know, a major impact on this season. But I know from talking to you off the air, too, as a quarterback, you look at the old line like, guys, could you not get me in stitches back here? And there were some <laughs> huge mistakes being made early in the season, and it seems like that's all tightened up. There's no longer you know, two defensive tackles there to greet the running back as he gets the handoff. Why so, and how have they made such improvement, and do you think that continues? Yeah, I, I think what that tells you is that um, physic, physically, athletically, there was enough talent up front based on the last couple of performances that the talent was there that mostly it was an issue of either preparation or mental errors and or some combination of that. So, you know... It's not that you couldn't make the step or the set or whatever you were supposed to do. It's that you just went the wrong way or you didn't do it correctly. So, um, so once you figure out that part of it, then the, then it's clear that Utah has the physical ability up front to, to make the play. And I think that's, I mean, if I'm, if I'm trying to diagnose what happened, I think that would be the first place I would go is like, they, they, they either cleaned up their preparation um, or they cleaned up the mental mistakes they were making. And, 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 and probably they, they, you know, they, they got the right rotation in there. And Utah didn't start the same starting five for the, for the first three games, so they got the right rotation in there. So to me that was, that was the big issue is cleaning up all the stuff above the shoulders. And once you did that, um, then the physical attributes could take over. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's that's a significant part of it. That I think there's no doubt about it. As I look at this Oregon State team, Chance Nolan is a, he's a capable quarterback, but the thing that jumps out at you is their running game. You know, they've got five guys, or what, four guys averaging five and a half yards per carry. B.J. Baylor is pushing 700 yards already, uh, nine t- touchdowns, so... Clearly, we know what they want to do uh, as far as their offensive philosophy going up against Utah's defensive philosophy. And Kyle, you know, since uh, he came out of the room, they asked him, "Hey, what do you think about life?" He says, "You got to stop the run." I mean, that's the first stop thing. The I... run. <laughs> Number one. That's, was that his? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Here, PK, here's what we should do sometime. I mean, we could do it on the air. People might not enjoy it, but we could. We need to make up. The Ten Commandments of Kyle Whittingham, <laughs> and and that would be number you know commandment. Thou shalt thou shalt stop the not, run. Thou shalt not allow the run game. Yeah, on this yeah, hang like all that. the football law and the football right. coaches. I mean that's that's he he preaches that. You play golf with them. Uh, what do you think? Got to stop the run, man. <laughs> Go out to get a yeah. bite to eat, lunch. What do you think? Got to stop the run. I mean, that's just got to stop the run, and I'll have a double cheeseburger. <laughs> that's what he's fries. about to the to the nth <laughs> degree. And it looks like you know I've seen Oregon State play a little bit, but obviously you just look at their statistics, and it just jumps out at you about them running the ball. How do you think that matchup is going to play out? It's a well. I like the matchup. I think Utah and Oregon State is a good matchup for for Utah. I don't know that. I mean, there's been some crazy games in Corvallis, so that's something I think to consider. There was there was one blowout game uh, that Utah played up there, but then there was a game uh, several years ago. I believe it was in the Travis Wilson era where 
Utah didn't throw the ball for 100 yards in the game. Like, I think they had they, – they definitely had under 100 yards passing and figured out how to win that game in, like, an overtime scenario. I mean, it's just – it's been a funny place for Utah to go play. So that is, that is something to consider. But I like the matchup. I, I mean, I, I think Nolan provides uh, – he, he's not a quarterback that uh, – I, I think Utah can manage him. And, and I think Utah's going to be forced into a situation because they're going to want to stop the run where you're going to see more man coverage in the defensive secondary because you you're going to want to get people closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think all of that is manageable. It's not that Nolan can't hurt you downfield, um, but I don't think he's demonstrated that on a, you know, a very high percentage basis. So I like the matchup. Uh, I think Utah's going to have to take some, take some risks in the secondary and, you know, put a bunch of people toward the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then again, it, I mean, it's the same thing we talk about every week, but you just, it happens up front. You have to be disruptive at the line of scrimmage. If you let, Oregon State get downhill in the run game, then you're just you're going to be in trouble. 242 yards per game is a huge number, and they're leading the conference by a wide margin. UCLA is second, and Oregon is third. So should we? I know you get the arc of a program, and the Utes have been good against the run for a long time. Do you have total confidence because they still have to play the top three rushing offenses in the conference here in the next six games? Have you got total confidence no, I, in their ability to handle these three these three teams as they run the ball? Well, I mean, total confidence, no. I, it's just like the any given Saturday scenario, and and those teams are good. They're talented, and and I said earlier, um, you know, after US Utah beat USC, I thought the next two uh, most difficult opponents on the schedule were going to be Arizona State and Utah figured out a way to get past Arizona State, and then UCLA uh, because, because of UCLA's run game and because of their dynamic quarterback, and then Oregon because Oregon has, I still think, has you know amongst the best talent in the league. I'm not high on Oregon's quarterback play, so I don't put them as high as the others. Um, and, and then Oregon State fits right in there because Oregon State is physical at the line of scrimmage, they run the ball well, but, but I don't put them quite on the same level because they don't have the dynamic quarterback to deal with. So I think the quarterback position is more manageable. So to me, it, it kind of fits. I mean, this is, like, this is a classic matchup for Utah. This fits exactly what they want to try to do on the, on the defensive side against a really good running football team is, is our defensive philosophy to stop the run going to be better than your offensive ability to run the ball for almost 250 yards a game? Yes. Yeah. I would, I would agree on that completely, and that, that's what's going to be the aspect to watch. Uh, they got away with it against the Devils. They got away with it against Washington State. And that's the slow starts offensively. Uh, I just don't know how long they can c- continue to keep getting away with it, basically. So they've got to they've got to come out and be a little little bit better early to me, or I think it might catch up to them at some point. It, it's always, I, I I think it's always difficult to play from behind, and then that you know there's something about learning how to play from behind 
and Utah's given, you know, they've given themselves that lesson a couple times now. But then it becomes difficult. Like, it's challenging. And, and, uh, and allowing a team to jump out ahead and gain that momentum, that is also challenging to overcome. So I think there's, you know, the ability for Utah to, to overcome a deficit, uh, we've, we've seen that. And so that tells you something about the football team, and that's, that's a positive. But, you know, it's really difficult to do that week after yeah, week. And plus both week. of them were and, at home when they did that. Yeah. And, and by the way, I mean, nothing against Utah's performance, but the ball did literally bounce their way a few times against Arizona State. I mean, it bounced right back into Cam Rising's hands, and then he ran it, you know, a, around the right end yep. um, on, a, on a broken play. Um, Arizona State dropped, what, half a dozen footballs on, on catches that were very sh- – should have been made, very reasonable catches to make, and would have extended drives. And so Utah was able to get out of drives on mistakes. And then, and then the 13 penalties. Now, I, I believe that Utah's pressure – on the defensive side, kind of forced those penalties. So I'm going to do kind of a half and half on that deal. But it, there still were 13 penalties that that uh, were very meaningful in the game. So um, so all of those factors combined, and then Utah played pretty well in the second half. All those factors combined to allow Utah to come back. Well, you know, let's if you get into a game like that against an Oregon State or UCLA or or Oregon. You know, are they going to have the drop balls? Are they going to have 13 penalties? Are they going to, you know, make all these mental errors in the second half of the game? It's it's not likely. So playing from behind is difficult. I like that Utah has demonstrated the ability to come back and to, and to have the mental fortitude to win a game like that. But it's diff- it's challenging if you're going to do that each and every week. They're doing a better job of holding on to the ball, occasional uh, drop balls and good hops notwithstanding. But you go to Corvallis, it's supposed to be like 50 degrees and raining. How much faith do you have in the receivers catching it and the running backs holding on to it? Well, I I guess I would have more faith in uh, running backs holding on to it in, in that type of scenario. We... When you when when Utah used to play Air Force and the weather was bad, you just love that because when the ball's in the air and then you're trying to catch it on the on the option and then all of a sudden it's bouncing all over the field. I mean that was that was kind of the ideal scenario, but I don't see that happening in the run game for for Utah or or for for Oregon State. So uh, run game I think should be more much more secure. But the passing game now that that may pose an issue, and a, you know a wet ball is the most difficult. Cold isn't isn't as difficult. Snow isn't as difficult. But a wet ball is the most difficult. It's slick, it's heavy. Um, the rotation on the ball is not the same. So uh, I, I think that is absolutely something that that that. Utah and and we'll have to consider as we as we go into this game against Oregon State is who's going to be able to manage the football turnovers are certainly are, are certainly going to play a, a role in the game I think. Frank, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate the time, and we will talk to you again next week. Hey, absolutely. Thanks. I appreciate it, uh, PK. When you want to get get together and start putting down the Ten Commandments of sure. Whittingham, I, I'll make myself available. Right. Thou loves cooking.
<laughs> I mean, there's probably we could probably come up with like twenty commandments. Okay. Oh yeah, three, all, all three or stuff. four would be stopping the run, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can steal right. as long as you stop the run. Who cares? <laughs> well, he's all about the takeaways. <laughs> turnover yeah, there's, margin there's is critical. Turnover, thou shalt not turn over the ball. I mean, that's a that's a huge. Thou shalt a thou shalt well. get four and a score. Four and a score. Yeah, you know that's a good one too. So I'm sure we could come up with a with a quality list. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, guys. Great to talk to you. All right, DJ and PK. We will hear from Kalani Sataki and Kyle Whittingham coming up in the nine o'clock hour. Stay with us for that right here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! Huh! It's a Friday night showdown in Logan as Blake Anderson and the Aggies welcome in the Colorado State Rams for a big Mountain West Conference battle. Listen all week long for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Friday at 6.30. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Thursday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom, kaboom, boom, boom, kaboom. The big show will be discussing the Jazz opener at that point by Thursday. The NBA opens tonight. You ready? Doesn't matter if you are ready. Here we go. It's all coming together. I'm ready. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's good it's really important that you be ready because if you're not ready the whole NBA is going on hold I'm always ready for opening fill in the blank you're ready for the new season whatever the next thing is yeah absolutely yeah the more options the merrier alright we had Monday Night Football last night good game two baseball playoff games today sure. NBA tonight the world champion Bucks. I mean I could talk to the wife and kid or I can watch sports <laughs> I think they both vote that you watch sports. I don't know how you're going to vote. Yeah, I do. It's unanimous. I just have to uh, have a little uh, time. i got to go pick up the kid from band practice. Yes, she's a band nerd, and I'm damn proud of it. Multiple screens for you tonight? Probably not. Oh, really? You got playoff baseball going on during the fourth quarter of what I hope slash expect will be a competitive Bucks nets game. Right, but I mean, it's not the Jazz. No, it's and not. it's one of eighty-two. Yeah, so it's not super, super. Pre- and the game pressing. might get out of hand. You didn't have to watch the game last night. I think Baseball everybody. Speaking of, yeah, yeah when, when, they, when they hit the yeah. grand slam right. for when six they, nothing, didn't right. we all look at it and go, "Huh, there you go." And then it was like nine nothing, and so yes, then yeah. I focused on the football, and then I looked at. I had my phone. I wasn't watching the game, but I just you saw, could see the innings tick by. Yeah, they scored three. We're good, and yeah. I, I don't think I went back. After that, uh, maybe occasionally. But yeah, I was locked in the football, which is a great game. I don't care who wins. I just want to be entertained. And I was. An outstanding game, yeah. I like watching Josh Allen, an underdog, one scholarship offer. Yeah. And here he is in the NFL looking really good. That, I love that type of story. Who doesn't? All right, DJ and PK coming up. Kalani Sataki, you're going to hear from him. Meeting with the media, they cannot afford a three-game losing streak. And Kyle Whittingham... 
Stats nerd. He will reference that in me coming up. He his breakdown PK fifty. Per, does defense wins championships? He was asked. Andrew from Channel Thirteen asked him that, and he said fifty percent offense, thirty five defense, fifteen percent special teams. That's how you win football games. He breaks it down. I know he's a former linebacker and he's the tough guy, but he is totally into the analytics. A hundred percent. He is all in on analytics. Well, I think he's in all in on everything. Yeah. Right. Not just he's not an analytical nerd, but he's you got right. But a, if you ask him if defense wins championships and he gives you a 50, 35, 15 breakdown, this guy's all in on analytics. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Kalani first, then Kyle's. That's the next hour right here with DJ and PK on 97.5 at 1280 the zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Visit the Ford fan zone where you can get all you can eat tickets with an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited. Hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, ice cream, starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. All right, PK, it is time to hear from Kalani Sataki, BYU getting ready to play Washington State. And this game gets a weird twist with Nick Rolovich out as head coach at Washington State. Midway through, it looks like a... Decent season for them. They're four and three. Three game winning streak with Delora at quarterback. Yeah. He's a player. He's so, a gunslinger from Hawaii who makes big plays. This is a huge game for the Cougars. Well, BYU Cougars, I should say, since they're both Cougars. Uh, because a three game losing streak, that wipes away all the good uh, feeling. The mojo out the yeah. window. Yeah. The five game winning streak seems like last year if you lost three in a row. And Kalani was asked about this, and you'll hear it. You know, he's not interested in what's going on on Washington State's sidelines because it doesn't matter. I mean, these players, they've been coached by the coaching staff for a good while, so I don't know in the short term what difference it's going to make. Obviously, it's not an ideal situation for them whatsoever, but they have very capable players to go out there at home. The crowd's going to be energized, I would think, uh, and going to be fired up. And BYU's a brand name, and it's in the afternoon and all that stuff. It is in the afternoon this time. (laughs) So for the Cougars, BYU, I need to keep uh, differentiating our Cougars, so to speak. A lot, of, a lot of you people accuse me of being a BYU fan, and I am since birth. There's no question. You just look at my background. It makes complete sense uh, that I really believe that they need to get this game. The All that uh, good feeling and the vibes of a five-game winning streak. Toast. If you lose three in a row, it'll yes. literally be looking at a month since their last win. I agree with you 100%. So you got to go get it. There's got to be a real sense of urgency yes. throughout the program. Players, assistant coaches, head coach. Let's listen to the head coach, Kalani Sataki, right now on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right. Uh, looking forward to this week. Um, looking forward to getting back to work. And, uh, I mean, obviously not, not feeling all that great about the loss. But uh, the opportunity for us to move on and get better and uh, perform a lot better than we did the last two weeks now. So uh, I got to get off this losing streak. And the uh, best way to do it is get back to work, get to practice, work hard, stay focused on our next opponent, and then learn also learn from the mistakes and uh, shortcomings that we had o- over the weekend against Baylor, who was a really good team. And uh, obviously, the rank, they, they, their only loss came to, I think, Oklahoma State, who's uh, ranked as well, so a uh, really cool environment, good team, big big team, physical team, and uh, we, we didn't match uh, their physical presence well enough to, to earn a victory. So, hoping to change that. Uh, really good opponent, 
in Washington State. We're going on the road again. So uh, looking forward to getting back out there and seeing fans in a different region of the country. Really appreciate the fans showing up for the, for the game at Baylor. Uh, there's a lot of royal blue out there and, and really appreciate them and their support. I'm looking forward to getting the, the same type of support that we get in uh, around the country and now being in the Northwest. So um, looking forward to the matchup. Uh, they're coming off of uh, off of some wins and um, they're playing really good football right now. And you'll see what they're doing on offense, defense and special teams. Uh, they're very explosive, uh, well-coached team. And so it'll be, be a tough match for us. We, we need to be ready to roll. So um you play at our best in order for us to, to put ourselves in a position to get the win. So looking forward to the matchup. Uh, I know they'll be well coached and I know their fans will be excited and um, just, just want to get to this game already. Thanks coach. We'll have questions from Mitch and then Jake followed by Jay. Kalani is, is not having a, a bye week yet taking a toll on your team at, at this point of the season. You know, I, I don't, I don't know uh, how it's affected other teams that have had bye week already, but bye weeks usually help and get get the team healthy, um, get them, get them a little focused on not having to. I mean, the hard part a lot of people don't realize is that the practice, the week of practice, we we need to be physical and and put the pads on and strike, and so it's not like the week of practice is that easy either. But I don't know any other way to to prep for teams than to, to practice it. So uh, we'll, we'll practice. You know, Really physical and um, and and you know expect that to show up in the game. Uh, the unfortunate part is we felt like we had a great week of practice and didn't transfer over. So there's some disconnect there. That's my job to figure it out. Um, but I don't think taking it easy in practice is going to be the key. But yeah, I mean everybody takes advantage of the bye week. That we're midseason, so there's guys that are banged up and guys that are playing through some injury. Guys are, aren't 100. percent That's that's the game of football, and so. Um, you know, we're, we're depending on depth and, and talent, but sometimes the inexperience shows up a little bit, but uh, it's time to grow up and get better and, and, and uh, toughen up. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're not 100%, but neither is Washington State and neither was Baylor. There's, there's a lot of guys that are banged up right now. That's what happens in, in the game of football throughout the season. Just got to tough it out. When you watch the, the the film from that Baylor game, much was made about the the familiarity between the coaching staffs. Was there anything that maybe stood out where you felt Baylor knew what was coming in that game, uh, whether offensively and defensively, from you guys? Well, we knew what they were going to try to do, which is establish the run game. I know Grimy and his uh, personality and and what he wants to try to establish the identity as an offense, and that's to run the ball. And we couldn't stop it on defense, and that really bugs me. So we got to figure out a way to do it. And I'm more disappointed and frustrated with the fundamentals of the game and, and the technique I am rather than the, the, the scheme or anything. I mean, we had 11 guys out there playing, but I don't think we tackled well enough. I don't think we got off blocks, and I don't think we're physical enough. So defensively, you need to be more physical. And that's surprising to hear, but we also need to get some guys back and some leadership to take take ownership of, of the defensive front. <clears throat> you know, we we played a lot more physical in other games, and so it'd be nice to get some guys back and, and back to normal form, which means that they bring that, that physical mindset to the line of scrimmage. And so that we need that on offense, and we obviously need it on defensive lines. I mean, the offense and defensive line. That's something that I'm – 
I want to own as a co- as a coach. I want I want to have our presence felt. Our identities at the O line D line need to show up for us to have a chance. Kalani, you may have partially answered my question in your previous answer, but do you envision any alignment changes or scheme changes to your defense to try to address the issues you've had? Yeah, of course. We're open for all of that. Yep, that's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not open to change. I'm not like close to changing. So whether it's scheme, personnel, whatever it may be, uh, let's get the best 11 out there. Let's find a way to match up. I mean, Washington State's a much different matchup than Baylor. Baylor just decided they're going to go big and, and, and just, you know, shove the run, the run down our throat. And we didn't respond the right way. And so if, if um, Washington State decides to do that, fine. But we got to toughen up. I mean, we if they decide to do it with t- with a 10 personnel group, which is what they run most of the time with four wides, they're spread. But if they decide to, to run the ball and spread and, and, and lean on that heavily, then uh, we're going to have to figure it out, how to stop the run. And then if you can get a team to be uh, more uh, one-sided and, 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 and uh, becomes a little bit more predictable, if you know that you can shut down the run by just being more physical, then that's – that's a huge advantage, and that worked the other way against us uh, in the Baylor game. And credit to Baylor and their 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 line; they, they they took it to us, and we did not respond the right way. Now let's see what happens this week if we respond the right way. You talked about being one dimensional on offense. There, your offense was one dimensional in that game by and large: three hundred forty-two passing yards, but just sixty-eight rushing yards. Was that just a, a product of the game you were trying to play catch up and having to abandon the run game, or did you see something that you hope to get the run game going again? Maybe a little both. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if we took advantage of uh, full advantage of all the big plays that we had in, in, in the passing game, um, but I, I know that. Um, we're a much better team if we can run the ball and throw the ball, you know, and, and uh, they had that advantage. We didn't, you know, so um, whatever it is, got to figure it out, whether it's the, the run scheme or the, or the uh, personnel. I mean, we're obviously down a couple guys, but I don't like using the excuse of injury. We feel like we're a deep team, um, but got to run the ball better. And then I, I think we have, a good stable of running backs to, to run the ball. So um, we're going to need, need them to step up. We need the O-line to step up. We need everyone to step up and make plays. And uh, It's not one one side. It's all three phases can improve. And, and I think the ones that get most of the, most of the uh, attention is the offense and defense. And those two phases need to improve. And we need to see it now. I need to see it now. And it needs to happen today. So uh, I'm really frustrated that that the performance. Uh, I mean, Baylor might have been a better team and might have won the game, but it should not have looked like that to me up front. And that's where it's got to change. Lonnie, uh, Elisa just said you lost three defensive linemen uh, in that game. Um, anything season, end- season ending? Any of those injuries? Guys out for the year? We're still evaluating it. Um, one is not confirmed yet. Jacob Palu, we'll see. Uh, we're still, uh, I think we'll get some information later today. I, I don't have that answer for you, Jay, but uh, one may appear to be that way. Um, the others were hoping not too long, but we'll, it, this is, again, this is one, one of those where they're not considered out this week, but I don't think they're going to be 100%. So it's, it's an opportunity for some young guys to step up and all I'm going to require those young guys to do is be tough and physical when they get in the game. The 
situation going on with Coach Rolo at uh, Washington State, is that any concern of yours at all with his situation? Will that impact any way that you prepare for this game? You know, I, I've been so into um, our season and our games, I haven't even looked into that as much. I mean, I've literally just found out about all the, you know, I, I don't think I know enough about it to even make a comment, to be honest with you. And I got other things to worry about. I know Coach Rolo, I know he's a good coach and he has a really good staff. And so I'm, I'm not sure I'm the expert enough to, to comment on that. I, I'm trying to get our team to get off of this stinking losing streak, man. That's frustrating me right now. And all my attention's on that. But um, no, I, I, I think it'd be, I don't think I have enough information to make a comment, Jay. Sorry. Yeah, that's fair. I just, uh, it is obviously dominating headlines. So um, we'll obviously be mentioning it, but I, I understand that. Um, and then just I'm, not reading, I'm, not, I'm not reading a lot of headlines right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I've been reading them all, all year, but I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's not like I'm closed off to what's going on in the world, but I, I don't know enough about that specific situation and um, appeals and all that. I have no idea. I'm still kind of fresh to it, but. And then I think all my attention has to be on football, on BYU football. And then I just wanted to ask you about coaching the Barrington brothers and three sets of brothers. What kind of dynamic does that bring to a team to have that many sets of brothers? Well, I, I mean, they more than anything, they just treat the whole team like like family um, because they have family on the team. And I, I know what it's like. I played with my little brother here at BYU too. So and we played here while our oldest brother was at, at Utah. So – uh, um, for us, it's just it's easy to, to just consider everyone your family, and uh, you can see that those guys have a connection to the rest of the group and the rest of the team, and it's really uh, contagious, you know. And the way the Barringtons treat treat each other, but also they're hard on each other too. And I mean, mostly because Clark's the older one, but he expects a lot from from Campbell. And but you you see them the way they lead, the way they treat each other they that also extends to the, their teammates and so there's that that love and and appreciation for each other but then there's also the ability to get after each other so i'm hoping hoping they they, they get that done this week that we can figure out some things and um, you know challenge their teammates and as coaches we got to do the same thing we need to see improved play especially from from uh, our linemen okay let's go with a question from sean walker and then a follow-up from mitch yeah, Coach, this may be something uh, pretty quick to to answer, but I just kind of wanted to check with you because uh, A-Rod said during his show this morning that it, it sounds like Joe and Harris are getting pretty close to to kind of full recovery, full activity with you guys. Do you have any sort of an update that you can give us on them and their situation? And I don't know. I, I know that there's a chance that they'll play, so that's it's good, you know, but we have to see what they look like in practice today. Um, obviously, we want them back. They're the two starters for us. Um, Mason was able to come back last week, Mason Wake, and and I, he's not 100% in that game, but, um, you know, we're hoping that he'll be healthier this week. So that, that as we start to get these guys back and get them, you know, get them back on the field, the, the key is, first, first of all, for them to clear protocol with um, – with the trainers and then once they do that we can, we can practice them and then once we've they feel like they're ready for full contact then we can obviously play them in the game so that's kind of how it works and i don't control all that but i want them all on the field 
Uh, Kalani, uh, uh, that's kind of a theme today, it seems like, but just another personnel question for you. George Udo came into the season recovering from an injury. He suffered a little bit of a setback against Baylor. Is his situation long-term? Um, no, no, it's not long-term. So if, if, if you're asking, cause he, he injured his ACL last year and, um, so no, he did not re-injure the ACL. So we're, we're looking at something, uh, a different injury. And so not sure if he'll be ready for this week as well, but, um, I had to see a little bit more today. We got a little bit of information yesterday, but not enough to, um, discount them out for the week. But again, it's, I, I don't know how you can, you can play in a game Saturday if you can't practice, you know, this week. I it just I have a hard time sitting a kid out and getting him healthy and never really practicing full reps and then all of a sudden get to the game Saturday and expect him to perform. I just – that's not how we work here. And I wanted to ask you about uh, Washington State's quarterback, Jaden Delora. Uh, he was coming out of St. Louis High School in Hawaii, and I know your staff extended a scholarship offer to him. Did you get to know him at all in the recruiting process when he was – uh, coming out of St. Louis High? Yeah, I mean, a really, really good player. Just looking at his athleticism and he's got, he's, he has a, uh, a lot of confidence on the field and the, and the players play off of that. And you look at when they, when they win, it's when he's doing well. Um, but he's so athletic and he can run. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's something that I think adds to his game. He's, a, he's always a threat to extend the play. Um, but for, for, <laughs> A young guy, he has great poise and uh, just gets rid of the ball quickly. Most of Rolo's quarterbacks do that. They get rid of the ball quickly. They have their, their timing down. And so it's hard to, um, to shake these guys, you know. And and, and, um, and for, for Delore, he's he's got a great presence, man. And, and he can take over a game. We just we, – it'll be a tough task. We're, you know, the reason why we liked him in the recruiting process too, because we think he, he's a he's a big time game game uh, you know a playmaker. And so um, that'll be tough for us, but you know we're, we're up for it, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what we can do scheme wise to, to to match up against what they do. They're spread team, so it's it's a it's a difficult deal where you got you know some great skill like they have and spread them wide out, and then they have a running back that's really physical in in, in uh, Borgie that can break tackles. So uh, really familiar with, with what Wazoo is doing and seeing them throughout the years in my coaching, they have that, that same type of personality, uh, some tough kids and in, in, on their team and, and a really, really cool area where they play and a great fan base. So uh, looking forward to going back there and playing in that game. Oh, a question from Jake. Kalani, it may not be the purest version of the run and shoot, but how difficult of an offense is the run and shoot to defend? Yeah, it, the reason why it's not your typical run and shoot is because the run and shoot is has um, evolved, you know, and so they've added a lot more to their scheme, a lot of different plays to their to their call sheet. And that's what Rolo does. He, he's always advancing. And we've, we've played against Rolo enough where you just can't – it's not always the same. You know, some teams run the same offense regardless of the personnel. And I think uh, Rolo and his staff, they do a great job at, at utilizing the right people and getting the ball 
um, to the right players, to the playmakers. And they happen to have a bunch of them. And that's why they go spread. They're all mostly four wide outs right now. And, and I, I really think they're, the running back is, is uh, probably underrated. He, 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 I've seen him throughout the years and plays that he makes. And, um, and they, they, have a, they have a good, a good crew there. So with their running backs. And the, I think their O-line is big physical. It's hard to penetrate that O-line as far as getting past rush. And um, with their timing, the run and shoots, there's a timing scheme. The timing, it's hard to get get to the quarterback, and uh, we, we when we faced Hawaii, we faced them a few times. It's hard to to get there, uh, regardless of how many you bring, and that's a lot what the run and shoot's all about. But to have quarterbacks know where to, where the ball goes that quickly and to recognize um, uh, coverage and pressures. Uh, that that's something special, and, and that's something that that's right up uh, um, Delar's uh, uh, capabilities. And then, can I just get a quick thought from you? Just looking at their defense, the funny thing is, this team for years under Mike Leach was known for the offense, but the defense seems to be have become a strength for them under Rolo. Yeah, very, very solid. And I know a lot of those, a lot of the coaches on the defensive side, and uh, I, I think they play with great technique and, and assignment sound football. You don't see a lot of mistakes happen on on their their side, and so if you beat them, it's because you you actually. Uh, you you beat them on the field. It, it's not like some scheme's gonna gonna um, take take it, uh, advantage of them. They're well coached, and a lot of experience on that side too. And uh, their kids are tough, and, and uh, they're they're really good tacklers. So I think it's going to be a good matchup for our offense. Defensively, it's a good matchup for us. And you know we're, we're no, we know they're going to get our um, we're going to get their best. And I, I just we need our our best to show up this weekend. There's BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. Big game. Big, big game at Washington State. Now, the Utes are going to Oregon State, a huge game of their own. They've got a three-game winning streak. But Oregon State, they're off to a nice start this year midway through the season. Kyle Whittingham on this game with Oregon State next. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU hits the road to Pac-12 country as Kalani Sataki and the Cougars square off against Washington State in Pullman. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. All right, we just heard from Kalani Sataki. It is time to hear from Kyle Whittingham. The stakes are suddenly very high, PK. We could have a lot of movement in the Pac-12 race here very quickly. UCLA is playing Oregon this week. The Utes are playing Oregon State. Those are the top two teams, Oregon and Oregon State, top two teams in the North. They could have a major impact on the South race. And a week after that, the Utes are playing UCLA. And ASU is playing Washington State. So no gimmies the next couple of weeks, and that can have a massive impact on how the South plays out. Now also, teams can win and take care of business, and the Utah-UCLA winner and ASU could be set for a sprint in November, and it could stay pretty tight. Also, the Utes could get some help, take care of business, and be really set up going into November. 
Well, uh, yeah, I agree on that. I don't think they need the help, obviously. I think that with Cam rising, things have changed so dramatically that, to me, they're in the driver's seat. Because I look at the Bruins and the Devils, they've had their moments, but they've also had some bad moments, too. So they look a little more inconsistent. Now, Utah did in the non-conference, but since they changed quarterbacks, they've been all right. So, to me, they've found their mojo, and they're ready to go, while the other two teams are still more of wild cards. Not to say that either of those teams, I'm not discounting them completely. They're just, in my mind, more of a wild card. I'm not sure what I'm going to get. It's the old box of chocolates from week to week uh, because they've had their ups and their downs. So how does that relate? Whereas Utah so far has been more consistent. That may not mean anything going forward, but I think it will. All right, let's listen to Kyle Whittingham with the media right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Okay. I thought our team played uh, very well Saturday night overall. Uh, obviously much better in the second half than the first, but uh, you judge the game in its entirety. You don't judge in segments. And so overall we played a, a good football game against a really good opponent. Um, a lot of positives in that game. Uh particularly in the second half, as I mentioned. Offense came out. We had four possessions in the second half and four long touchdown drives, 60-plus, uh, 70-plus yard drives, no short fields. It was the offense did a great job of uh, moving the football in the second half. Defense pitched a shutout in the second half, and uh, that was uh, the end result because of that was a, a win, which puts us in good shape. Still a lot of football left, obviously. Uh, what are we, a third of the way through? Uh, conference play and so we've got uh, a lot of uh, challenges starting this week Oregon State good football team really good football team running the heck out of the football uh, leading the Pac-12 by a considerable margin running the football Uh, two good backs that uh, are very productive starts with our offensive line their offensive line is playing exceptional football and uh, that's uh, you know something that we've got to try to uh, take care of this week is is slow them down a little bit in the run game. Quarterbacks playing well. Um, They're leading the conference in scoring as well as rushing, like I mentioned, as well as third down conversions, which when you run the football that well, it lends itself to a lot of third and shorts, which uh, they're taking advantage of. So big challenge. It's on the road. A tough place to play up there in uh, Corvallis. But uh, we'll uh, hopefully have a good week of practice and be ready to go. So questions? Well, like I say, you judge the game in its entirety. You don't judge it in segments. And so when you judge it in its entirety, we played pretty good defense, held them under 400 yards, well below what they were averaging, uh, below what they were scoring. Uh, and so I think we are playing good defense overall. Just happens, so happens to be that we're playing a little better in the second half than the first right now. But, but uh, we're not really concerned about that. We're just concerned with the, the final product and the and the final result. And so, yeah, it would be great to play great defense every single snap of the game. But things ebb and flow during the course of a game. And uh, and same with our offense. You know, we and this year for whatever reason we've proven to be a, a pretty good second half team. I mean, our fourth quarter scoring differential is is really good. It's like seventy something to. 20 or or thereabouts and so we seem to be a little stronger in the second half this year each year is a little bit different but that's been our mo Uh, don't have a great answer for you other than our guys do a a really good job our players of hanging in there and overcoming adversity and handling adversity and and uh, that's been the the storyline this year
what, what kind of schematic changes play into that? I mean, obviously you make adjustments to right. the game, but... Yeah, halftime adjustments are big and, and play into that, and I think our, uh, have, uh, is a credit to our assistant coaches and the coordinators to come in at halftime and, and uh, make those adjustments. Now, you got to make them all throughout the game. It's not just halftime because if you wait till halftime, it's too late a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the times. And so, uh, but uh, just coming down, coming in from from the uh, first half, sitting down together, talk about what's happening, what we want to change, and what we want to tweak going forward. And uh, again, our Coaches have done a really good job of, of setting up uh, our players to be successful in the second half. Kyle, we had some fun, uh, you know, with the cubby penalty and the flexing, but he he generally doesn't show that level of emotion during a game. What did you think of that? And did it just the emotion that he showed? There? I loved it. Yeah, you didn't love the penalty, but I love the juice and the emotion and the passion. And uh, we were making plays all over the place in that second half. Uh, we had so many guys make big plays. Cam Rising played exceptional in the second half, as we talked about in the post-game press conference but but uh, I'm not condoning penalties but I'm, I'm I love enthusiasm and guys that are really excited to play and have a have a passion for what they're doing following up on that obviously winning cures a lot but it seems like this team is having a lot of fun mm-hmm. I mean, what where where is this coming from I mean in the post-game videos you're jumping around with them like where, where is this kind of coming around together well uh, every team has its own personality and its own chemistry I guess you could say and this team uh, is really fun to be around there's a lot of great leaders and uh, the leadership has been outstanding from 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 the uh, onset but uh, the personality of this team is just more I don't want to say jovial, but uh, they're having a lot of fun this year. And these guys, we had a lot of guys that love football, and it shows. And that's what you want. You, know, you want guys that love football, and, and uh, that's uh, what has been exuded during the course of the season. When you, were, when you were in the locker room with the guys, you know, celebrating all that, did you expect them to pick you up? No, no, that's, that doesn't happen often. But uh, that was... Uh, it was just in the moment. You know, you're in the moment. You're, you're so excited for them, and they played so well in that second half. And, you know, it didn't look good at halftime, 21-7 against a top-20 team. And we hadn't, uh, other than the first drive on offense, we hadn't got a lot go well, on the first and the last drive but, uh, where we turned it over at the end, which was a negative. But but we did move the ball well. But in between, there was not much going on. And then uh, to see the uh, production and the explosiveness in the second half was really uh, exciting. Coach, Mika didn't register a sack, but he was uh, creating a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the game. How valuable is that to have an edge rusher like that? Very valuable, and you, you can't have too many of those guys. You know, the most valuable commodities for a defensive uh, coordinator are edge rushers and shut down corners. And uh, he's a, he's a premier edge rusher. And even though we didn't come up with the sack, I think we had five sacks. Actually, the stats were wrong. I think they, we got credited now for five. But uh, Meek is responsible for knocking the guy off his spot and flushing him around and and letting other guys clean up and get the sack. But but uh, right now Meek is leading the Pac-12 in sacks, so he's doing a good job. But uh, even an even better job than what is showing up statistically. You, you know, at the beginning of the season, you talked about, you predicted that Devin Lloyd would probably be the highest drafted linebacker from your program. Obviously, he's had a really good season this year. What, what is it about him that, that, that works? Is he, does, do you allow him to just kind of do what he needs to, or what, what, what goes on there? No, he plays within the structure and the framework of the defense, but we utilize him in a lot of different ways. You saw us bring him off the edge uh, quite a bit so far this season. Uh, what makes him a good football player is just uh, a myriad of things. He's, he's got great size. You know, he's nearly 6'3", 
200, just pushing 240 pounds. He runs like a deer. He's he's instinctive. He's got a long wingspan. You know, you see him tip balls quite often, particularly on the pass rush. He's got his hands on two or three balls this year. Um, he's uh, he's a playmaker. He's he's a guy that uh, when there's a play there to be made, he almost always makes it. And uh, he is an absolute football junkie and student of the game. He watches as much film during the course of a week as anybody we've ever had here. Kyle, what makes Corvallis and Reeser Stadium such a tough place to play? Don't know. It's, uh, you know, they've typically got a, a pretty uh, boisterous crowd. Um, it's just an environment that uh, is uh, one of the tougher places to play in the Pac-12. And I, I just, other than the, the uh, you know, the fans and the and the overall environment, I don't have a great answer for you, but but it has proven to be a, a tough place. Although last time we were there, we, we started out incredible in the first half. I think it was 35 nothing and mid-second quarter so that game was not uh, typical of a game that that you have in Corvallis and we're expecting uh, a hard-fought battle. Now that we're at the halfway point of the season overall, can you assess the offense, defense, and special teams? Okay, uh, offensively I, I think we're just starting to hit our stride. Uh, we sputtered in the first few games, first three or four games, but the last uh, two or three we've we've started to, uh, one, well for sure the last two, started to figure out who we are who we got to get the ball to and how we got to get them, get them, get them the ball. Tavion Thomas is starting to emerge uh, as more of a run threat, which gives us more in the run game. Um, defensively, I think that uh, we've been fairly consistent throughout the course of the season. Uh, certainly had some problems in the uh, run defense early on. We seem to have shored that up. Uh, so I just think that, uh, you know, overall we're, we're doing a, a – we're trending in the right direction, I think, as a football team. Special teams-wise, hasn't been a lot of uh, huge impact plays on special teams. We did have the big punt return, and of course we've given up some things in the kickoff return game, so it's been a little bit of give and take in the special teams, but but uh, I think we're holding our own. It's probably a good way to say it in the special teams. Going over the last three three games of, of how you guys have played, is this the Utah football team that you thought you, you guys were? Yes, yes it is. This is, this is what uh, we had in mind and what we had envisioned. And it uh, just took us a little bit to get there. You know, a few few more games than we'd like to get there. Uh, when did Fonte do to himself that he's uh, wearing a Yeah, he's got an injury, hand injury. That so. happened at USC? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is there any season-ending injuries? I know you had a couple. Yeah, we have our long snapper. We lost Keegan Margraff, which is a it's a big blow. Although JT uh, Greep, the, the guy that backed him up, came in and did a great job, and we expect him to continue to do that. Uh, very talented young snapper. He's just a freshman, but uh, Keegan will be. Uh, unfortunately, he's a captain. You know, he's one of our leaders, and that says something when a special teams guy gets voted captain, uh, because that's uh, that's not real common. But uh, he's unfortunately done for the year. We'll miss him, and uh, he was, uh, you know, a big part of our special teams for the last several years. We don't talk a ton about the long snapper, but just in general, how, how critical is it to have a long <laughs> Absolutely critical, and, and as soon as you notice them, that's a bad thing. Right. You know, as long as you're not noticing the snappers, that means that everything's going as it should, and, and uh, we haven't noticed Keegan Harley at all because he's been so consistent. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a big factor, but like I said, we have all the confidence in the world in JT and expect that he'll uh, get the job done. On offense, you've had a pretty diverse group. You don't necessarily have that one guy that you can focus on. Mm -hmm. 
is that kind of the way that you hope to maintain it in, in a way that allows opponents to not really be an army guy? Or how yeah, to exactly. We've got five, six, seven weapons that uh, we've utilized and, and that are getting the majority of the touches. Uh, the, the emergence of Devon Vele has been a big positive for us. We knew the tight ends going into the season was gonna, were going to be a, a group that was going to be tough to defend. But, but with Devon uh, doing what he's doing, Covey is Covey. You know, there's no surprise there. He's, uh, in fact, we probably need to do a little better job of getting him a few more touches. Uh, Theo Howard's added some timely catches. Uh, like I said, the tight ends have been productive from day one. And uh, Tavion, as I mentioned, has really bolstered the running. It's kind of got to the point now where Tavion and TJ are getting the, the vast majority of the reps at uh, running back. Following up on that, we talked about the tight ends. What does a, having a group like you have, Brant, Dalton, Cole, Thomas, and, and Aligi, what does that allow you to do on offense with their ability and blocking? Yeah, it allows you to do a lot of stuff. And as a former defensive coordinator, that's the toughest groups to defend is the multiple tight end groups, 12 and 13 personnel, where they have two or three out there. And uh, there's just so many different ways you can utilize them, and particularly when they have the receiving skills that our guys do, where you can split them out. You know, we put Brandt out at wide receiver a good proportion of the time, and, and Dalton is such a, a tremendous receiver. Cole, uh, not as elusive as the other two, but he runs great routes and gets open. And so when you got tight ends that can block and catch, that's a that's a great combination and a great uh, matchup problem for defenses, and it it is as a like I said as a former coordinator, that's the one and that's the groups twelve and thirteen that make it the most difficult for you to defend and make sure you're you're not outflanked or out leveraged in the run game and you get good matchups when you know when they're split out and in the pass game. We talked about earlier how fun how much fun this team is having. Um, did did Kobe have anything to say about your, your cheeky? <laughs> Uh, he's I, I give him that grief all day every day so that's nothing new it's just uh, he's a great kid and uh, he's very proud of the results by the way of his role I mean it's it's working and so it's 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 uh, it's, it's filling in nicely but but uh, Cove is a special kid and uh, loved having him in the program uh, he's been here a long time as everybody knows but but uh, it's all in good fun there's no I certainly hope there's no hard feelings he hasn't indicated that so it's very confident kid. Sorry, Go ahead. No. After seeing the defensive performance um, in the second half, at least for me, I was pretty uh, impressed by that. Are you the kind of coach, I'm just curious, who thinks defense wins championships? You know what? It uh, used to be much more prevalent in uh, – in your success than it is now. And I'm a kind of a statistics geek, as David James calls me. I'm a guy that likes to look at stats and numbers. And uh, the in this day and age of football, I've seen breakdowns where offense is responsible for 50% of your success or lack thereof, defense 35%, and special teams 15%. And so it's it's diminished a little bit in its uh, impact on the game. Offense is more taking more of a front seat. But uh, it's still very important, and uh, the best thing is to be both good on both sides of the ball. But, but uh, you know, the the real uh, impact of the game has shifted to more of an offensive uh, impact. With with the numbers and everything there, it seems like you've been much more confident in, in wanting to be aggressive in those short situations, maybe fourth and two or, mm-hmm. or other situations. Is it that because of the offense, or, or what's kind of the strategy there behind you and, and how you pick that? As far as when we go for it on fourth down, uh, well, analytics uh, is is involved in that a lot. We have a book and a and a, uh, a system or program that we use that that gives me uh, good information as far as making that decision. We follow it 
fairly closely, but not exactly. Uh, how good you're, how confident, or how good your field goal kicker has been playing, how how much uh, your offensive line has been controlling the game. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it. When you look at it, I think we're about average in the league as far as goes on fourth down. And so I don't think we're going forward excessively, but uh, certainly more than we used to. And again, the driving impetus of that is is probably the analytics part of it, where it's just set up. Here's you know, it's just it's science. I mean, you're you're here's what it is for uh, the reward for a field goal as opposed to a touchdown, the risk reward of it all. And so it's it's changed. And I think you're seeing more aggression from uh, most all offenses in that category than certainly you saw ten years ago. Coach, in the defensive secondary, it seemed like. You guys played a bit more man coverage mm-hmm. than previous games. Um, do you feel like you're seeing the progress out of that group to, to give you confidence? Yeah, we are, and uh, we're still not uh, to the point where we need to be. It's still a, a work in progress, and and we're playing with three true, you know, freshmen. Not true. I don't know what a true freshman is anymore. But guys that guys that are freshmen that still have a redshirt year, and uh, used to be called true freshmen. But with Clark and uh, Fabian and Samaya. And so those three freshmen are, are making strides and uh, we're gaining more confidence in them. And, uh, but again, we don't want to just, you got to be smart. You got to put your players in position to succeed and, and put them in positions where they can be successful. And uh, too high of a dose of man coverage for those guys right now is not a good thing for them. So you got to be intelligent about how you go about it. And I think Coach Scali has been very intelligent of mixing a good uh, dose of zone in there. Have you actually been able to get any kind of grasp of, of, of what the conference has been right now? It seems like, you know, whenever there's a, a, a favorite team going in, they end up losing to a team that right. really shouldn't happen. I mean, is this about as jumbled as you, you've seen the conference? Yeah, but that's the Pac-12. <clears throat> For a lot of years, it uh, hasn't had a clear-cut dominant team that you know nobody can beat it's just a, a serious a situation of you better be ready to play every week and every week like I said it was a week or two ago you're going to see scores that surprise you in the Pac-12 every week like it you know I didn't see that one coming I didn't see this one coming and so I think it's a, a situation where there's a lot of balance and uh, if you're not ready to play you're going to get beat so you got to be ready final question in scheme and personnel who does the Oregon State running game uh, compare to uh, well, there's similarities between uh, them and the, the ASU scheme that we just saw. Uh, ASU is more counter gap scheme. There's not very little gap scheme in the Oregon State run game. It's more stretch and zone. But, uh, yeah, probably, you know, there's carryover from last week, I would say. And in terms of personnel? Uh, well, very similar offensive line-wise, too. Arizona State's O-line is very efficient and productive and physical, and this line is very much the very similar. And, and so I would say in that regard, uh, Arizona State, they've got uh, two backs that are carrying the workload, number four and number five, both averaging over six yards of carry. They're averaging down near six yards of carry as a team, which is outstanding, and those backs are like 6.8 and 6.3 a carry, so they got a, a good uh, combination between those two. But, but like I said, there's there is a lot of carryover in the run game uh, from last week to this week. All right, there is Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's another Pac-12 road trip for Utah as Kyle Whittingham and the Utes head to the Pacific Northwest to battle Oregon State in Corvallis. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. Ah! From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. 
Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and it's time for your feedback. And we've got multiple people on multiple topics, PK. Yes. CJ hopes that Rolovich and his assistants sue the school and the state, and that it goes to the Supreme Court. Mandates are not law. Wow, they're not? <laughs> it kind of felt like it when he got let go, right? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what the legal ramifications are on all that. What the that. Washington State Constitution says about this, you don't, you don't know? No, yeah, I know an apple either. a day keeps the doctor away. All right, how about this the one? Apple then? State, you got that? Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 apple yeah. cup, right? <laughs> uh, Martin says the Big Twelve is better than the Pac Ten Point Two. <laughs> Making fun of Colorado and Utah. Yeah, I wouldn't make fun of Utah's program right now, bearing down on a third South Division title, if you want to call it that, in four years. So, if you want to make fun of Colorado, have at it. But the top so- of the Big Twelve, though, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Looking pretty good right yeah, now. Yeah, but I don't think he's talking about Oklahoma because they're going to be gone. True story. But you plug Cincinnati in, if Cincinnati keeps their coach, if he doesn't get hired away. I like what the Big 12 is going to be. I think it's going to be a very competitive conference. I think it's going to be a great landing spot for BYU. I would have preferred in the Pac-12, but they weren't interested in inviting them. Uh, they can play them, but they can't. They can make money off of them, but they can't be uh, a conference member. So the Big 12 is, is fine. And I think, yeah, I'm excited for when we get there in a couple of years. So no, no problem there. And that's, that's just going to – and it creates another story for us, uh, comparing the 12 to two 12s, you know, oh, big yeah. and pack. Absolutely. All like for it. Like we're doing right now. Yeah. And the Big 12 is better than the Pac-12 this year. This is not the year for the Pac-12 to stand up and start beating its Right, chest. but this doesn't count from, from the BYU perspective. No, I get your point. They're not there yet. This isn't the new Big 12 yet. And Oklahoma's still there. And then we have U-State Iceman, Jack, Aggie fan. Can you imagine if BYU loses this game to Washington State? Oh, there will be a lot of BYU fans mad at the Pac-12. Yeah, three and one's not bad, but you would have preferred that loss to be to ASU then because now that would mean it is a three-game losing streak. You weren't ever going to lose to Arizona, and obviously you didn't want to lose to Utah. So you would, if you had to pick 3-1 and one against Pac-12 four games into it with SC remaining, I think you would pick the Sun Devils. All right, we are out of time. Hans and Scotty are up next. We'll see you tomorrow.